Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You're about to listen to another proud presentation brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. 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 Spider sense tingling. I'm in for some trouble. Something's turning my spider sense off. Spider sense is tingling. I feel my spider sense. My spider sense is tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And is your spider sense tingling? Swarm. Swarm. <laughs> To listen to the show, find us on foureyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. This episode is supported by our $10 and up patron, Bo Harper. Woo! Cool. And we've got Word Snappers Words from the last episode we can reveal. Yes. Submissions from the last episode was... You're doing amazing. Keep going. Submitted by Marilee O'Neill. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you, Marilee. Yeah, I like the positive reinforcement. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> just give us give us word snappers words where we just like complimenting <laughs> like compliment each other and encourage each other. Great. Yeah. This is the best <laughs> podcast ever. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you would like to submit some words to us, join our Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash wildlingwebsnappers. Um join us at the five dollar level or anything above that, and uh, you'll have access to a monthly document that comes out where you can add anything you want us to say within reason, five words or less. Um so it can be one word, it can be a phrase that we have to work in to the podcast uh that month somehow for for uh for better or worse so yes <laughs> um it's fun to give us nice things also fun to give us very challenging things which yes i'm sure that we will have going forward so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like this idea that we could slowly grow like an army of people who are just like telling us what to say Oof. so like each month like <laughs> it's just like a whole list of like oh goodness like Uh-oh. a whole minute of this podcast was not our doing <laughs> oh, <geez>. yeah <laughs> like was this a good idea <laughs> yeah i think it yeah i i hope and i hope you all enjoy it if you want to play yes. along just listen in we don't necessarily have them every single episode because these are like monthly mm-hmm. uh, a monthly game so um but listen along um and anything that maybe sounds like that's a weird thing for them to say that might be it or maybe Could we're just saying it. weird stuff who knows also very possible <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh but yeah we will reveal them in the next episode so yeah yeah um other than that there is a little bit of of uh spot of news that we have um we don't do a whole lot of news on this show because we're mostly right. like a retro retrospective look but there's a couple of things related specifically to spider-man cartoons and animation um that seemed relevant to to call out um so there is a current spider-man cartoon that's out right now um it's the 2017 spider-man show and they just announced that it was renewed for a third season um the second season i think is currently in the middle of airing right now um but it renewed for a third season and the thing that's interesting slash like weird about it is that it has a subtitle um it's going to be called spider-man maximum venom oh boy 
Yeah, that'll be mm, much butt symbology, <laughs> I guess. All the butt symbology. <laughs> the whole series takes place in the evening with a full moon, always. Mm, I mean, that makes <laughs> that would make sense. Yeah. That's anticipated to debut in spring of 2020. Um, just a quick quote uh, from Court Lane, Senior Vice President of Marvel Animation and Family Entertainment. Um, says, this is the most epic conflict in the history of Marvel Animation. Um, we planted, oh, wow. Yeah, I mean... Maybe that's an exaggeration. I don't know. <laughs> we planted this. We'll be the judges of that. Actually, we we're the will. perfect people we for will. that. Yeah, we'll get to. I mean, we'll get to the show eventually. Maybe yes. it'll be a few years from now. But you know, we'll, see. we'll get to it. Uh, he says uh, we planted the seeds in two seasons of Marvel's Spider-Man and three seasons of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, okay. I have ideas. Maybe. Maybe. All maybe. Right. Yeah, I could see it. Um, it says, but you don't need to have watched them all to be blown away by this all-out symbiote invasion. Um, while a ton of guest heroes will be on hand, Peter Parker's special link to Venom makes him the only hero who can tip the scales to save humanity. So, kind of get an idea of, of, of what may be happening there. Wow. Yeah. So, that'll be interesting. I haven't watched... I've, I've seen some clips from the current show, but I haven't really watched like a full episode of it at all, so... Mm-hmm. I don't know how Venom has been set up or played out. Um, I know people. I've seen some very strong opinions about this show, so okay. I'm I'm interested for us to eventually get to it. Yeah. But with that said, um, the second half of season two it has not actually aired yet, so that's going to de- debut later in September. Um, it's going to be a multi-parter uh, based on their version of the Superior Spider-Man oh. arc. So that's interesting. That is an interesting choice. I know. I know. I have no wow. idea how they, how they're going to handle that but huh. uh okay yeah we'll see eventually and that uh, that show airs on disney xd probably at, at i don't know the times probably random times we all yeah, stream no stuff idea. and have on demand and dvr you'll find it <laughs> exactly <laughs> find it on your dvr <laughs> <laughs> The other bit of news is super relevant to our podcast. Uh, you'll know why yes. in a second. Um, so, Into the Spider-Verse, Oscar winner. Uh, yes. Amazing movie. Um, sweep, uh, sensation that, like, sweeped the box office. That hits Netflix on June 26th. And um, because we weren't a podcast when it came out in theaters and we were still getting started up when it came out to video, um, we're going to finally do our Into the Spider-Verse episode after... Uh, that comes out. So it's going to be our next episode is going to be covering Into the Spider-Verse. Yes. So uh, it'll be on Netflix. So there's Netflix. It's on DVD. I think you can buy it on iTunes. So there's no reason to not ho- not have seen this. And if you have seen it, uh, it's worth giving a rewatch. I've already rewatched it again. And it holds up. It's still a perfect movie um <laughs> so give it a rewatch and then uh listen to us talk about it for probably like two or three hours um <laughs> yeah, yeah most likely <laughs> yeah we got to figure out how we're going to do that because there's no way we can do beat by beat notes for that yeah that, yeah. That, yeah i mean you know or could we everyone will have watched it recently <laughs> enough that i think we can just talk about the greatest hits for it because yeah we can just we could just chat about that and <laughs> get the whole podcast out of it so yep <laughs> all right and another thing before we talk about this episode we are not a star wars podcast however i talked more about star wars on the last episode than i should have i think and i just want to address <laughs> that so our last episode we talked about briefly um the empire strikes back because donald glutt who wrote for this show that we're talking about also wrote the novelization for that book 
We weren't sure necessarily why it was famous, um, but it is pretty famous. Um, and I speculated based on a little bit that I had seen. Um, and I, I think I've figured figured it out. I think I have a better understanding now. So I just want to want to clarify that in a sort of pseudo corrections corner moment. Okay. So I did two things. One, I looked more into it. I read reviews of the novelization of Empire Strikes Back and I picked it up and I I have been reading it and I would say that I'm maybe like halfway through and then I also read like key scenes and stuff because I know what happens <laughs> <laughs> and uh, here's my determination okay it's not bad okay it's not great um, and I found a lot of reviews that sort of had that same feeling so I was like what is it about this book that makes it so famous like why is it so ingrained in people's brains like why does it come up here are my theories, because I actually didn't find anything that was like, here's the story you don't know about the Empire Strikes Back novelization, which is really what I was looking for. Yeah. Here's what I've determined. That novelization has some differences from the movie that are weird. You expect some things to be different in a book. Uh, these are just like weird things. Mm-hmm. And it's because the book was written based on the screenplay. Right. And there were changes made when they were filming. Right. So like in the book, Yoda's blue. Okay, cool, I guess. <laughs> Darth Vader's lightsaber is also blue. Okay, fine, whatever. Still doesn't seem that significant. Here's what I think it is. The Empire Strikes Back is like an iconic cinematic moment, right? Yeah. I do think you can spoil movies that are this old, so I'm just going to say, if you don't know anything about the Star Wars universe and you don't want to know what happens, I'm going to spoil it. The, The cinematic moment in that is the, like, I am your father, right? Right. Those novelizations came out a month before the movies did. <laughs> So before the movie even came out and this moment, which was supposed to be like a big moment Mm -hmm. happened, uh, people who read the book knew about it like a month beforehand, Okay, which was normal at the time. But I think the way that we consume media now makes that like an outlandish thing to think about. Yeah. So I think that is sort of, I think it's almost like retroactively unique and absurd, Mm -hmm. even though at the time I don't think it would have been a big deal. That's interesting. Yeah. Because you know, that's my theory about why it's quote famous because quote spoiled itself. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense because I mean, like that's not atypical for novelizations to come out before the movies. I think that, I mean, I read, I remember I discovered novelizations as like a thing that came out earlier from the term. Terminator 3 novel, uh-huh. which not a, a fantastic movie, not a fantastic book either, but it was sort of like, oh, wow. So this is just the whole movie. Okay. Yeah. But I guess like you don't like they wouldn't have released like an Avengers Endgame novelization beforehand. Like they right. know ahead of time if it is going to be like a big deal. And I guess they were just treating Empire Strikes Back just like another movie with another yeah. novelization that's going to help their marketing. Well, and I really really don't think that the sort of like, we have the story to keep secret was as big of a deal. So Mm -hmm. even though it was a big reveal, I don't think that it was as hush-hush culturally um, as we treat things now. I I had read a a newspaper article about the first Star Wars movie Mm -hmm. that was basically just an interview with George Lucas before the movie came out. It's maybe Mm -hmm. like six months beforehand. And in that interview which was published in the new york times he gave away the entire plot of the movie everything that happens from front to front to back like 
the resolution and, and everything. So I just don't think it was a big deal. And so I think when you look back on instances like that, it seems just ridiculous. So now it's sort of like an anecdote of like, oh yeah, The Empire Strikes Back uh, was spoiled because the book came out first. Huh. I just doubt that anybody cared at the time. Yeah, I mean, you think about like really old trailers usually spoil oh the my entire gosh. movie. <laughs> and usually with a narrator telling you. <laughs> right. If anybody's gone to the theaters lately and seen the preview for that Dog's Purpose movie, mm-hmm. all trailers used to be like that, where they were just like, here's the entire movie in five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting how things have how things have changed so yeah. much. <laughs> so anyway, the book's not terrible. It wasn't panned. I don't think anybody wrote about it at all. I don't think anybody even really cared that it came out, except for people who wanted to read it in the first place. Right. I think it's famous now, based on our expectations of how media is expected to be consumed now. Interesting. That's okay. my my theory. You know, somebody out there still knows more than me, despite me looking more into it. So, yeah, now, Star Wars fans, you can enter my mentions. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yeah, now I've got some. mm... Can you tell I'm scared of the Star Wars fans a little bit? I mean, fair. (laughs) I am a Star Wars fan. I just am scared of other Star Wars fans. (laughs) Yeah, it it depends on the kind of Star Wars fan. Right. Um, I think they've tuned out of our podcast. Oh, I'm sure. If they haven't, they're going (laughs) to tune out based on some of the conversation that I'm sure we're going to have on this episode. So Yeah, let's do it. Let's get into it. (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. We are still in Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Season one, episode four. Uh, We're talking about two episodes today this first episode is called sunfire uh the synopsis per imdb is the gang meets sunfire a mutant who has powers identical to those of firestar uh sunfire reveals that his uncle genju needs assistance in starting a fusion reactor which will supply power to the world that sounds good unaware that genju simply wants to gain enough power so that he cannot be defeated in his quest to rule the world that's less good yeah that's good <laughs> original air date october 3rd 1981 this was written by christy marks who uh also wrote the uh fantastic mr frump so and hmm. i said that if she wrote another episode it would give us it would give us more insight into how intentional the Mr. Frump stuff was. Yeah. I now believe it was pretty intentional. Yeah, I would say this, so. This too. one's not incoherent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so if you want to learn more about her, you can go uh, listen back to our last episode. But yeah, so this one introduces uh, a pretty like big deal because he's a he's a, another hero that exists in the comics. This is Sunfire, uh, Shiro Yoshida, portrayed by Jerry Dexter, assuming that's a white guy. It is a white guy. <laughs> I looked at all this stuff. <laughs> I figured. Just to be sure. <laughs> I figured. He's played lots of teenage boy characters, uh, or he played lots of teenage boys characters at the time, um, including Aqualad in the Superman Aquaman Hour of Adventure, Alan M. Mayberry in Josie and the Pussycats, Hal in Sea Lab 2020, and Superboy in Super Friends. Yeah, he uh, he basically was a guy who they called in to play teenagers, and that's most of what he did. <laughs> okay, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we, we are very interested in the people that played these characters, because this episode introduces two Asian characters in the 80s, uh, which was not a great time for media and Asian portrayals. Mm-hmm. Technically, it's still not a great time. It's getting, like, way better, yeah. um, which is awesome. 
but it's taken a long time. So we were really curious about who is actually playing these characters. We also just recorded a commentary episode on a show we've mentioned uh, a few times that you will be able to check out on our Patreon. And that episode also had a uh, weird, sort of uncomfortable uh, Asian portrayal. So it's been a uh, top of mind for the two of us. But um, but yeah, so that's some context. The uh, the other character that was introduced in this is Genju, like you, you mentioned, um, Sunfire's uncle. This character is actually portrayed by a super famous, super important uh, Asian American actor. So that is nice. I was very glad to see that. Because <laughs> uh, if he hadn't been, uh, I would have way more issues. <laughs> oh, I, I watched it the first time without knowing who the voice actor was. Yeah. And I was like, oh, God, you're kidding me, right? Yeah. But it's, yeah. I mean, it's still not great because it's someone who's right. Chinese playing someone who's Japanese. And still, I right. feel like maybe putting on a little heavier of an accent than he normally has. But uh, yeah. but, but and, um, this is an actor who's who's really, really important and really, really famous. Um, as an Asian American actor, because he's one of the first like Asian American movie and television star in the United States. Like, <laughs> so huh. I mean, he he really sort of like like came up in in really sort of a shitty climate, right? So like he's important, but a lot of the stuff that he was surrounded by still sucked, you know. Yeah. So like just because he's playing this character doesn't mean the character has no problems. Yeah. And that that's that's something that was sort of a theme throughout his career. So um, let me. I, I'm. I guess let's just dive into some of the stuff he did. Um, did we Key say what Luke. Is, oh, okay. I was about to say yeah. like, have we even named who he is yet? <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think we had. So this is this is Key Luke. I believe it's just Key Luke. I think I'm saying it right. I hope I'm saying it right. Is a or was a Chinese born American actor and was also a founding member was a founding member of the Screen Actors Guild, um, which wow. is pretty cool and significant. Yeah. He was the first Chinese American contract player for RKO Universal and MGM, which is a huge deal. Hmm. And he went on to, at least in a few properties, replace actors in Yellowface to play prominent Asian characters, um, which is huge. Yeah. Hollywood has like a really terrible history of putting non-Asian actors in Asian roles. And this guy replaced at least a few of them to be an actual Asian actor playing an Asian character. And sometimes he played them in ways that were far less stereotypical or offensive or even, quote, less Asian than the white people playing them before. Hmm. So that's really cool. I don't know enough about him to know what he thought of that or if he thought about that or if that was something that was important to him. But there were at least a few properties where he replaced actors that were not Asian. He was in the Charlie Chan film series, which has come up a lot in conversations about actors who are not Asian playing Asian characters, because the character of Charlie Chan is almost never played by an Asian character. Uh, and I don't think was ever played by an Asian character on screen, huh. but has been portrayed by Asian people in like cartoons or animated versions. There might be some international versions, maybe where they use Asian actors. It's like one of those huge properties like a uh, James Bond or whatever, where like tons of different actors have played the character. So I don't know all of the people who've played the character. Um, but in any case, Key Luke played the son in the Charlie Chan film series, which is weird because he was an actual Asian actor playing the son of a white guy playing an Asian guy. Ah, uh, that's like isn't that like 
It's so bizarre. It's bizarre. <laughs> it's fascinating because it, it I mean it totally fits in with the historical narrative of Hollywood in general. Yes. It's just like the the hoops the hoops that they used to and still kinda do jump through to 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 not like market minorities yeah. in, in major roles. It's it's like mind boggling. Yeah. So so Charlie Chan was a, a popular series. Um, and it's really, really awesome that Key Luke was a sort of hit character on that show. I don't think he was meant to be a big character, but he was really popular. So mm-hmm. they they made his character more important in the in the series. Um, but that, like I said, that show had tons of just like really crappy casting decisions. <laughs> he did go on to voice the character, the main character, Charlie Chan, as opposed to Charlie Chan's son in a 1970s Hanna-Barbera cartoon, which is really, really cool. Um, that he basically went from being <laughs> the son to being the main character. Hmm. But, of course, even in the 70s, that show had its own slew of all kinds of controversial casting choices. Not controversial, shitty casting choices. Sure. I don't think it's controversial. I think what they did was was bad. Yeah. <laughs> His, in that version of the, of the Charlie Chan series, he had, uh, you know, a bunch of kids... And they initially cast actual Asian American kids to play the characters, but then recast all of them oh my God. because they decided, yeah, they decided their accents were, quote, too hard to understand. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Right? Right? Yikes. Big yikes. Big yikes. Uh, fun fact, Jodie Foster was one of those children who was uh, cast in the place of an actual Asian kid. <laughs> <Huh>. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's, it's weird because it's like, you know, he's, he's doing amazing things, but he's like doing it in the face of like all this really shitty stuff, which I guess is what makes it so amazing a lot of the time, you know, like he's sort of this, uh, I don't know, like (laughs) one of the very few people that seem to have been taken seriously as an Asian American actor. Yeah. So anyway, a couple other notable roles. He was Kato in the original Green Hornet film serials. So not like the most recognizable Green Hornet iteration, but the actual serials that showed before movies. He was the Kato. He played a few main characters uh, on Battle of the Planets alongside Alan Young, who was the voice of Mr. Frump. Hmm. He portrayed Master Poe in the 70s show Kung Fu. Which, oh, wow. Yeah, which... I wasn't familiar with, but is apparently the story of a white Shaolin monk. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, he played, this is, I, I noted this because I think it also, again, provides context for some of the stuff that was like happening around Key Luke uh, based on Hollywood culture. Yeah. He played a number of separate characters on different episodes of the same series. So like, yeah. it sounds like key luke was just brought in to like play asian characters and the audience was treated like they would never realize the difference right which come on yeah (laughs) like yeah (sighs) anyway so much absolute like respect to key luke because holy crap he just seems like a really important guy and i have to imagine the stuff that he must have put up with was just ridiculous yeah. In any case, I was really, really happy to see that it was such an important and respected Asian American actor playing this character. <laughs> yeah, it made me feel a lot better about it because there's a lot of there's still a lot of like yikesy things <laughs> in this episode, but but oh yeah, I mean just, he still didn't write the episode, right? So, like <laughs> still having but but having the involvement. I mean, 
it's one of those things where it's sort of like a real big like <laughs> you barely tried at all kind of prize but like yeah. the fact that they didn't just cast a white person doing a real bad uh, uh exaggerated accent for it when they easily uh-huh. could have because most places were doing that lots of places yeah. still do that now um oh, the fact yeah. that they did reach out to someone who was a really influential um part of of hollywood at the time to do it is i mean i think like that deserves like minimum kudos you know what i mean yeah <laughs> it's yeah, worth you at calling least brought out. an asian american into the room right right and, <laughs> and the thing that makes that frust- makes the whole thing frustrating too is that like this is also an episode that introduces an asian american or i don't know maybe he's, he might actually just be like japanese a japanese superhero which is yeah really cool you know like that's still not common they didn't yeah. have to they didn't have to bring that character out of the comics plenty of other characters they could have and they did so it sucks that there's like some things in this episode that are really shitty but i mean they were like they were I trying think, i guess as... yeah no i think that's <laughs> it i think it's one of those things where it's like i'm willing to say like good job for trying because some of the things that they do you can tell was an actual attempt at being like hey, like, if we have this Japanese character, let's incorporate some actual Japanese stuff, but they weren't great at it. So as much as I'm willing to say good job for trying, I'm still going to be fair and call you out for the stuff that's super cringe. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's the best way to do it. All this stuff is always complex whenever you're talking about it. And, you know, and it's like, we're two white guys talking about this too. So there's going to be even more depth to it that (laughs) that we're going to miss and we're totally open about that. We're just going <laughs> to call it out and analyze it the best that we can within our right. scope of experience. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, let's just dive into it. Cool. So this episode opens with Peter, Bobby, and Angelica stargazing through a really enormous telescope that they have in their bedroom base. It's huge. <laughs> uh, but good for them for caring about space. Peter spots a large hunk of space iron, I think is how Bobby describes it, (laughs) that Peter says could vaporize half the city. So Angelica, who I'm starting to realize is the actual hero of this series. Pretty much. <laughs> that's that's basically my read is that Angelica is the hero of this 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 whole series. Uh, Angelica suits up to address the problem, and she does it in a really weird, really, really weird way. The not dirty way to describe it is that she creates a makeshift rudder or sail type protrusion on the meteor so that it redirects itself you know aerodynamics and stuff (laughs) and then is no longer flying towards the city which gives her some extra time to blast it which i guess i guess blows it up or something we don't really see what actually happens to it yeah the dirty version is that she hops on this thing and then it grows a penis i mean uh i mean it fits (laughs) with uh with everything that's been done with firestar up to this point really so and what continues to be done in these two episodes so sure you (laughs) know weird craven's not around for this but it fit you know it fits into that whole uh that whole horny aesthetic that we got going on did you understand even what happened the first time you watched it? Nope. I thought I thought that this was a thing. I, at first, I thought that I was watching the Swarm episode because I knew that that episode was supposed to start with a meteor. So I was yeah. like, oh, am I watching the wrong oh, one? Oh, yeah. And then I thought that like it was like a defense mechanism from the meteor that maybe it was Me like, alive too. or something that it was growing that. Sentient meteor. 
the second time I watched that, I thought that was the case. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Literally wasn't until you explained it just now that I was like, oh, I guess she did that to direct it away. Because it didn't even make the connection that like they, they said it was going to vaporize the city and then it lands in the country. The yeah. Upstate New York, I guess, is where Well, it is. this is one I... of those things where it's like, you know, we established on the last, like last time we talked that the, all of their solutions in this series are over, like overly complex. <laughs> yeah. That's what this is. You yeah. know, like. For whatever reason, <laughs> she couldn't just, like, push it. Right. <laughs> and so she had to, like... That's the best way I can describe it, because it's not animated very well. So it's mm-hmm. not. It's still technically unclear. That's just, like, how I'm interpreting what happened. Yeah. <laughs> this whole episode isn't very animated very well. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also want to call out, because I'm keeping a tally of this now, every single episode has some kind of weird, like, eye shot, either a, mm. a shot mm-hmm. through the eyes. This one, um, it's a little bit different, but the very first shot... Or one of the first shots is like you see a close up of Bobby's eye yeah. when he's looking in the telescope. So oh, also, can we talk about just briefly? We don't even need to talk about it, but I need to mention mm-hmm. that there's a really weird interaction between Peter and Bobby fighting over who gets to look through the telescope. Yeah, like they're like four years old. <laughs> yeah, it's like no, my turn now, me. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> Yeah. These two episodes, I think, in general, have very little to do with Peter and Bobby, so they just kind of, like, need to give them stuff to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess the second one a little bit more has to do with them, but this one this one almost has nothing to do with them. <laughs> yeah, and what it gives them to do uh, is not a great look. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Hashtag problematic is pretty much yep. just the theme of this episode, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this, uh, this whole sequence is noticed by a man named Genju, and his uh, nephew Shiro at Ichiban uh, Electronics. Genju no- explains to Shiro that he needs the mutant Firestar's power to power his fusion reactor, um, which I guess is this is the first time that they've called out Firestar as a mutant. Yeah. In this show. So uh, that's definitely confirmed here. And Shiro is also a mutant. He is the mutant known as Sunfire. He has the same exact same fe- uh, powers as Firestar. They even like say that specifically that he is exactly yeah. the same as Firestar in every way, which I don't know if mutant abilities work like that. But hey, why not? <laughs> <laughs> it seems to with fire. I don't know why that is. <laughs> I guess it's they figure like there's only a limited uh, way, like limited ways that you could have fire powers. I, I guess, guess so. I guess. So uh, he agrees to help it retrieve Firestar. Um, to help with that fusion reactor because he believes that the reactor will benefit all of mankind yes just figuring that his uncle who uh is uh very clearly obviously a bad guy he just assumes (laughs) that he's a good guy um (laughs) but and uh we see that as sunfire leaves uh ishiban uh genju reveals that his loyal robot samurai which is cool as hell He reveals to his loyal robot samurai that his actual plan is to use both of the mutants' powers to bring his fire monster to life for some reason. (laughs) Yes, two things. I love that he talks to his robot samurai. That's adorable. It is. I would too. Mm Mm-hmm. Second thing, the fire monster, mm-hmm. it's not the exact same fire monster as from the opening sequence, but I'm guessing that it, the opening sequence one is inspired by this one. Yeah, very, very similar. It's not as, is is like defined, like the, the opening right. sequence one has like a whole snout to it and everything. This yeah. one's just kind of vaguely humanoid, but it's the same kind of effect where it's sort of this, uh, it's really cool. Like the, the way that it's constantly moving and it has this sort of coloring inside of it, it looks almost like somebody yeah. just scribbled a marker inside of it. Yeah, it's like 
psychedelic in in a way. I really love it, and it's one of those types of. Uh, I, I, I'm I'm curious like how they actually do this because it, there's sort of a similar effect in the uh, swarm episode, but right. I'm really curious how they do it because it's stuff obviously like kind of a practical effect sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's really cool, and it's something that's kind of completely uh, um, specific to like '80s cartoons. Like it yeah. didn't, it didn't, it didn't continue into the '90s because they could do more digital animation. So mm-hmm. it's really cool. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, and of course, the first time that we see these Japanese characters, there's like vaguely Japanese music happening in the background. Yeah, uh, of course there is. Yeah, there's going to be sort of like weird. Um, and I, I guess I didn't look into it, and I don't know that the information would be available. But I think it's just supposed to be like. Here's some Asian music. Yep. Um, so I don't know. Correct us if we're wrong, but that's what we're guessing happened. And I'd be willing to bet we're right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just kind of a lot of the stuff. It's just kind of your most stereotypical. Yeah. Stereotypy stuff. And, you know, it's like right. it's not like necessarily overtly offensive or bad, like necessarily. It's just very, very basic it's, and very stereotypical. So Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's. Yeah, it's characteristic of what I would say is a time when people didn't seem to care as much about getting things right. Yeah. And so they just didn't get it right. They didn't do their homework. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. all right. Well, anyway, the next day, the I'm assuming it's the next day because it's daytime out. <laughs> uh, the gang, along with uh, Aunt May and Ms. Lyon, are spending some time at some kind of fair where... Shiro is also giving a presentation on some of Ichiban's new inventions, including the samurai robots and their weapons, which are called Sonic Sticks. Could have come up with a cooler name, yeah. but all right. <laughs> Sonic Saber would be dope. Seriously, why? Yeah, a, si- a Alliteration stick? still there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's disappointing. <laughs> there's a there's a weird sequence of events that happen, but I love all of them. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, first one, Peter fails to win at a carnival game with Aunt May watching, and Aunt May is like, well, you've never been very athletic, so it's okay. <laughs> I love that, because you know Peter could nail every single one of those carnival games if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I love that. Iceman fills a whining kid's empty snow cone with what I presume is just unflavored ice. <laughs> and he's so excited <laughs> about it. <laughs> yeah, there's like this kid crying like, I lost my snow cone. And uh, Iceman just put some ice in there. Yeah. A-, a kid who looks like a little mini Bobby, by the way. <laughs> oh, very much. very much. I, that, Yeah, that kid is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. That kid needs to be a running gag, even though I'm confident he won't be. <laughs> uh, next to Iceman, well, I guess... I guess these. I guess they're not in costume. So Bobby and and, and Angelica next to Bobby. Uh, Angelica is like trying to get popcorn from a popcorn vendor, and he's like, "Ah, sorry, our machine's broken." So she just like pops it herself, <laughs> like discreetly, <laughs> and the guy's like, "What happened?" <laughs> it's gonna be disappointing when someone else comes up and he's like, "Oh, it's fixed now." Oh no, it's broken I know. again. <laughs> yeah, I guess he's got X number of bags of popcorn before he realizes. <laughs> True. <laughs> We also see a Flash Thompson cameo. We do. His first appearance, he doesn't have a speaking role. We'll get to that in the next episode. But uh, uh, but yeah, he's like, you know, Flash Thompson, the show off. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. And this threw me off. Angelica, Angelica and Bobby are just holding hands. There's even like a weird shot where that's like their hand holding is just framed in the center of it. Yeah. Very yeah, weird. Like it's it's not, not subtle. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're almost like specifically calling it out. It's really strange. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that's weird. But while the uh, presentation is going on, uh, showing these <laughs> poorly named Sonic sticks, <laughs> Angelica's like immediately like crushing on Shiro during the presentation. It's like, oh, he's mm-hmm. so dreamy. Bobby can already tell that he knows him from somewhere, which we'll get to a little bit later. Yes. <laughs> and then like probably one of the weirdest parts of the, this episode, Aunt Maze decides that she needs a nap. And she walks over to a helicopter where other people <laughs> are already in, I guess, like waiting for a helicopter ride. Peter is even like, it's a helicopter, Aunt May. What are you doing? And she's like, it'll be fine. And she just gets in the helicopter. They close the door. and No one questions it. <laughs> right. And the sleeping old lady is in the helicopter as they take off. No one questions yeah. it at all. No one says anything. Yeah. So that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Aunt May just sleeping in a helicopter. Whatever. <laughs> And naturally, because this is becoming a running theme in this series, uh, a helicopter is a flying machine. Therefore, it will eventually fail to be able to fly. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) So it suddenly stops being able to fly. (laughs) With sleeping Aunt May in it. (laughs) Yeah, she never wakes up the the entire time. (laughs) Nope. Nope. (laughs) Well, this is happening right in front of everybody. So naturally, Peter, Angelica, and Bobby suit up to save the folks that are in the helicopter. Firestar begins to use her powers to keep the helicopter in the air, I guess, in some sort of way. I don't know mm. if it's just like, this is hot air and it's pushing it up. Yeah. Whatever. Because she's even like, I can't I can't use my full heat power because there's people inside. So it's like, but how's the heat going to be keeping this helicopter up? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. There's, there's, <laughs> there's about to be a lot of weird sort of like Firestar just heat blasts things and they work. And this is the beginning of that. So she's just sort of like heat blasting the bottom of this, this helicopter and it's staying up. But just not doing anything. And I guess Iceman is like, well, I'll I'll help you with that. I can do something, too. And so he starts to, like, sort of ice skate up to the, the helicopter. But a flash of fire and heat blasts by and he falls because his weakness is exactly that. So Spider-Man saves him with a net of web. And you can pretty much just set those two aside. <laughs> because that's all they do in this moment. <laughs> yep. We find out that the source of the heat was actually Sunfire. Uh, So Shiro has also suited up to assist Firestar. So he actually takes over whatever she was doing, keeping the helicopter up and says, you, you fix the helicopter. So she just sort of like gets everything back in working condition by (laughs) blasting things with fire. (laughs) She blasts the the blades, which probably wasn't the problem. I'm assuming it was an engine problem, but blasting the (laughs) blades makes them just run swimmingly after that. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, sure. But helicopter saved. I guess, apparently, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, everybody's now safe, which uh-huh, is good. Uh huh. And uh, Aunt, and um, uh, Iceman explains that Sunfire is a mutant, uh, like Firestar and him. He also apparently has had some kind of pre-existing beef with him. Um, it's never really explained in this episode at all. So it's just kind of a past history that they have. Um, something he- X-Men related, I guess. Yeah, did you did you find anything? I didn't dig very deep into it because it didn't really come up again in the in the show outside of like mm-hmm. a mention here or there. But have you found anything about? Is this like an ongoing rivalry? I not that I know of. I did like a real quick Wikipedia so. search on Sunfire just to like see. And I mean, I know in the comics he's supposed to be really temperamental, 
and and stuff like that. So I assume that fire. Means, yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and I think that like there's there's been points where he's like joined a team. Like he was on on the X Men team for like a short time, but like doesn't work with the team very well and left. Uh, so I think it's a reference to that. I don't know if he and Iceman necessarily had a specific beef, but I think it was just the fact that he doesn't work well with others, which isn't okay. really like presented. His character isn't presented that way no. in this show. Yeah, so I guess we're just kind of meant to. It's another thing like we were talking about in um in in the last episode, I think, where it's just sort of like the show is just kind of assumes that you have some base Marvel comics knowledge. Yeah. So if you're like mildly familiar with Sunfire, you're like, oh yeah, he's that guy who didn't work very well in X Men. Okay. Yeah, like, the X Men don't get along with him super well all the time. Right. Well, one other thing that that Bobby mentions to Peter is that Sunfire works for his wealthy uncle. This is really interesting to me because the amount of knowledge that Iceman has about Sunfire is like pretty vast. <laughs> um, like he knows he he knows his like he knows exactly who he is. He recognizes him and is able to pretty easily figure out that like Shiro equals Sunfire. But also, was he saying that Sunfire works for his uncle, or did he already know that Shiro equals Sunfire and therefore Shiro works for Uncle? Like. Mm, that's <laughs> or does really, he... I don't know if it's really clear. I you know I didn't really catch on to that either way. Actually, in any know. case, Bobby knows like a lot about Sunfire. Yeah, but we find out pretty pretty quickly that Sunfire has no idea who Firestar is, right? Yeah, no, he doesn't. So, but but I but the thing is, like, I don't think Firestar was really with the X Men to the extent that Iceman was. I think uh, the implication implication that I'm getting from this point, and I know a little bit of like their origins from later on in the show from the ep- other episodes that I had seen in the past, but. Even barring that, based on what we know of them at this point, I think the implication is that Iceman was actually, like, on the team of X-Men for a while, whereas Firestar wasn't. Like, I think she's always been pretty much solo, so he has all this knowledge because, like, the X-Men don't have secret identities within the X-Men, so he probably knows who he was, or... Well, it's weird that he, like, doesn't immediately recognize him. Like, he's just familiar with him, though. So I, that it, yeah. it is kind of unclear, the secret identity thing with him. But I think that explains why Bobby knows so much about Sunfire, is that they probably worked very briefly on the X-Men team, but Firestar just never did. Yeah, and I guess that makes sense. I mean, she's brand new to this series. They can do whatever they want with her. I just sort of assume that once they established her as a mutant, mm-hmm. that she was better connected than we would have guessed based on her just appearing now, you yeah. know? She's also the character who just literally knows nothing about the whole <laughs> world at all. Like, Damn they almost, it, that's right! <laughs> it's like they took the idea that it's like, oh, she's a new character. That means that she's just popped into existence in this in this universe just now. Uh, I didn't even <laughs> catch on that once again she's used to explain mm-hmm. things to us. <laughs> she's just like... Yeah, and it's like, it's one thing to, to have her be the audience surrogate surrogate a little bit. Like, it would be cool if it's just like, oh, she's a new superhero. Maybe she's still learning the rope, so we're going to learn some things through her. But it's literally, like, stuff that she should know. That's, like, common knowledge to everybody but her. Right. So, yeah. It's not like the first episode was Bobby introducing Spider-Man to his new friend Firestar, who just moved from out of town. Right. <laughs> right. I don't know. Anyway... As Shiro is concluding the demonstration, Bobby does inform Angelica that Shiro is Sunfire. So at least by that point, he's is like, this is the case. Yeah. <laughs> so Angelica is like, oh, okay, well, uh, let's do something about this. And she convinces Aunt May to invite Shiro to dinner. Mm-hmm. How yes. Aunt May just has the, <laughs> the cred to just invite this person to dinner, I don't know, but... <laughs> That's true. Yeah, she just walks up. I mean... 
this Aunt May, especially in this episode specifically, just kind of goes wherever and does whatever she wants. So <laughs> that's uh, true. She probably just walked right on stage, and people were like, "Uh, yeah, okay. like, what are you gonna do? Stop this, like, old lady? I mean, yeah." You know, actually, I kind of dig that. I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> she just has no shame whatsoever. <laughs> I want to know where this version of Aunt May falls in, like, your rankings of Mays. <laughs> she's so all over the place. I have no idea. I like. She's not really, like, a fully formed character. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I think I do, based on this in the Frump episode, I think I do actually like her better than the 90s Aunt May. Yeah. At least, like, based on the first season of the, the 90s show a little bit. Yeah. But mostly because we don't really see very much of her, so <laughs> she doesn't have less as... chance for her to do of like super annoying things. <laughs> yeah, and she's not outwardly hateful like uh, yeah. the '90s Aunt May is. She's just kind of oblivious, so which is yeah. which is better than just being straight up mean. So <laughs> <laughs> true. Well, she succeeds in inviting Shiro to to dinner, and he accepts. So yeah. she's clearly a very successful woman mm-hmm. in all of her endeavors, and he's excited to be there too. Like, yeah, he's, he's yeah, really he really is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and a lot of uh, a lot of well-intentioned with mixed results interactions happen uh, at this dinner table. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going on. Um, Shiro thanks Aunt May and Angelica for the invitation in Japanese. That's cool. I think that's cool. That's, I think that, that feels cool. natural. Yeah, it feels natural. I mean, and they're they're clearly like, oh, this is exciting. Like you know, it's it makes sense. Yeah. And from, like, a, a writer's standpoint, it's like, oh, we have this opportunity. We have a Japanese character that we're introducing. Like, let's let's use this as an opportunity to, like, introduce a normal, natural <laughs> element yeah. of his culture. That feels like a like, very... Here's how you'd say thanks after a meal in Japanese. <laughs> it feels like a very kids show thing, like, in a good yeah. way, where it's just, like, these are people, they're, they have different ways about them. Like, they, they have mm-hmm. a different language and everything, but... It all, you know, it, it all crosses over like a lot of, you know, you can you can find commonalities in it. Yeah. That's cool. So that's cool. Good. And then if you if you remember uh, the first episode that we did on Amazing Friends, Miss Lyons backstory. So Bobby says that uh, Miss Lyons breed name is funny, calling her an ipso facto. Ha ha ha. Funny. Good job, Bobby. <laughs> a little awkward, but OK. Um, uh-huh. At com- least he's like a dummy all yeah. the time. So you're like, okay, where's this going? <laughs> yeah, it yeah, it at least like right, it fits his character. That that basically opens up the opportunity for Shiro to correct him and and kind of give him the story that we learned from the first episode of uh, Lhasa Apso is apparently like the uh, dog of uh, a Tibetan dog or like the temple dog of Tibet or whatever. Right. It's all kind of awkward how that's like kind of shoehorned in and the fact that he's just like, of course he's from he's from the continent of Asia, so he knows all about <laughs> Tibetan history. It's exactly what I was gonna say. <laughs> Like, of course, this Japanese character knows about all Tibetan things. Yeah. You know, I mean. But, but who knows? Maybe. Maybe he, he does. We, we, you know, we don't know this guy yet. That said, yeah, that, to be fair. It's still like, awkward and weird. It's still, it's still awkward and weird. I think you could read it. Uh, my reading of it is that, like, he's clearly kind of like a worldly person and kind of a cultured yeah. person. But it's still like, of course, you're going to give all the Asian guy Asian stuff. <laughs> like, uh-huh. of course. For example, he also knows aikido and uh demonstrates that on peter by throwing him across the room a natural thing to do (laughs) i guess yeah totally this is the one that's like what were you doing like okay (laughs) at least aikido is japanese there you go there's that's as far as i'm willing to give you because this was totally just one of those things where like let's throw another japanese thing in (laughs) yeah (laughs) you're like why though it's not why did you do that 
Right. Because it's not like he he was set out to be a master of it. Like, it's not like you have, like, like an Iron Fist type <laughs> character coming in. He just flies around and shoots fire. Like, there's no reason for him to know any sort of martial arts whatsoever. But yeah. he's Japanese, so of course he has to know some kind of martial arts. Right. Can you also imagine the whiteboard in the room where they just wrote down all the Asian things they knew? Mm. What's other Asian stuff we know? <laughs> oh, God. Then just, if, right. It's like, oh, and he also cooks some hibachi. Like, <laughs> maybe oh, he makes some sushi. Like, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. 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 It, it could have been worse. It oh, it could have been way worse. It could have been worse. At least he's like a pleasant character. He's not. Yeah. He's 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 meant to be extremely likable too. So well, and I mean, it's it's worth noting that two. I mean, they're related, so you're like, okay, whatever. It's like family. But there are two Japanese characters introduced in this episode, and they they have different motivations, different characterizations. They fall on different sides of you know you know like the the conflict. Um, so it's not like they're, it's not like there's one Asian character. Here is all Asian characters. They at least have two. I mean, it's not great, but they at least have two different characters played by different people doing different things, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, it's, it, 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 it makes it better. But then I also think like the comparison between how the two of them pre- are presented also kind of makes it worse because you have like <laughs> Shiro is, is is drawn to be like a normal looking person and his uncle is like this just yeah, that's real weird. gross stereotype coming from the school of like how Genghis Khan was drawn in the right. last episode a little bit where it's like I mean granted he's a bad guy they're often drawn like with exaggerated features and everything but it's like yeah the exaggerated features that are all the wrong <laughs> kind of gross exaggerated features right Right. And then and then like one is voiced by an Asian American, one is voiced by a white guy. Like it's it's not it's the comparison Why like almost highlights. Why Jerry it. Dexter just have spoken? Right. Because because Shiro is obviously young. Like he's he's the same age as these characters. You get the sense that he, you know, if he is from Japan, he's also very uh like americanized or very entrenched in american culture at least or he's like you said worldly mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been weird to just have him have a very i don't know like well, just but, a very very americanized accent if you yeah. didn't actually have an asian person playing him right and 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 part of the problem too is that when i was first watching this i was like is this guy just a really bad actor because all of the line readings are so stilted and so awkward and i and and when you're you were kind of reading his history the fact that he's played a lot of he, he's been a voice actor and a lot of uh, uh, for a long time played a lot of roles. I think the stiltedness just comes from him trying to do the accent. Oh, and for sure. Accent comes off. He sounds kind of dumb, and that's really unfair and really lame. Yeah. And like, there's yeah. I mean, it, right at the very least, he could have just read it like himself if if he if he wasn't if he was just a white guy. Yeah, I feel like they they weren't willing to have. And, you know, any Asian character on screen that didn't, quote, sound Asian. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is very silly. Yep. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that is actually, I think, a, a big chunk of, of, of the the cringe. I think there's a little bit more. But that, you know, I think we've gotten through a lot of the cringe so far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. So after dinner, after shiro throws peter across the room (laughs) shiro receives basically a page from ichiban electronics 
but it's it's coming from his watch it's like some sort of reminder or something like that from his watch and says that he needs to get back to ichiban electronics and angelica asks if she can tag along and shiro says sure let's do it cool 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 and at this point he still doesn't know that she's firestar so it's all a little bit coincidental on that case on that front but uh, yeah <laughs> um back at at the uh, ichiban electronics while shiro is reconnecting with his uncle angelica is attacked by a robot samurai after <laughs> she turns on a monitor that she mistakes for a television okay Ugh. um <laughs> this show wants too much from angelica just add another character <laughs> uh, yeah yeah <laughs> because they make her dumb when they feel like making her dumb but she's not usually a dumb character right like for the most part she's really she's she's the smartest one of the bunch i mean peter is like a genius in his own right but like i feel like angelica is like common sense smart more than anyone else right. but then they just have her do like these really dumb things she like weird she, airhead things yeah she's like i want to watch tv like what why right <laughs> the reason why is so she can see the fusion right. reactor which uh uh like we said activates that robot samurai in defense um she transforms into firestar to escape um shiro uh sees or hears that there's some issues going on so he transforms into sunfire in an attempt to save angelica knowing that the robot samurais are on attack but doesn't make the connection between her and firestar yet i don't think he even like sees that firestar is there at all right i think the screen like breaks or something something or, like that. i don't know but uh, but either way, he shows up and just see the, the 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 debris of the robot samurai. She's already she has already saved herself, Shiro. She doesn't need you to save her. Uh, yeah, she's a strong, independent woman. <laughs> Except when she wants to watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> right. Then she's TV. a total airhead. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but of course, he doesn't know that. He hasn't made the connection yet. So he uh, he just finds finds Angelica, um, and she's like, "Oh, I I just fainted because it was such so terrifying uh, to prefer, <laughs> preserve her secret identity." Which I don't really understand what the motivation is for it because she, I mean, she knows that she knows that he's a superhero, but she still doesn't want him to know that she's Firestar. But I don't really understand like why exactly, unless maybe she just wants to get to know him better, better before she reveals that part of herself, I guess. Uh, maybe this episode in general doesn't do a very good job with motivation. So I think they just didn't think about it. They were just like superhero secret identity. Because it is, I like the idea of like two super, superheroes keeping a secret identity from each other. Like that's always a fun, a fun yeah. thing, right? It's just like, but there has to be a reason why they're still keeping their identities secret. Yeah. And it's not like she, I mean, the fact that she knows that he's Sunfire, I think it would have been better if Iceman had no opinion on him whatsoever and didn't know it. So neither of them know, knew that the other one was a superhero. Like the fact that she knows that he is Sunfire just makes it really confusing, like what her motivations are. Right, especially because she does know Bobby and knows that Bobby knows who he is. So, like, there is an amount of safety there that she could rely on. Yeah. But but is is choosing not to, and we we don't ever really learn why. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever. Back at the Parker residence, Angelica is gazing longingly out the window when Sunfire appears in the night sky to write her name in fire. Aww. As one does yeah. when they're feeling romantic yeah light up the sky with fire <laughs> so uh firestar naturally joins sunfire uh out there and they basically go on a date pretty much bobby and peter get suspicious for i don't think very much of a reason <laughs> <sighs> no aside from the fact that we've sort of gotten 
a little bit of Bobby being like, oh, we've got beef. But that doesn't really explain why Peter is suspicious. Yeah. It, and it's like after and it's like after getting the the Craven stuff, which Ugh. at least we know he was a supervillain, so it's not <laughs> as bad, I guess. But it's just like they're so they're so weirdly like unnecessarily protective of this hero who is honestly like stronger way, than both of them combined. Let's be real, way more capable than them. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and it, it it's even further confused by the fact that they're like, oh, we gotta, I guess we gotta go check out Shiro and Ichiban Electronics. Yeah. And then they throw in for Firestar's sake. What? No. Wouldn't it make more sense if you were trying to justify it and pretend you weren't just jealous? Right. It's the, I mean, it's almost <laughs> like they're calling out like the patriarchy themselves and it's like, yeah, we're playing into it. Whatever. You know, we want Angelica for us. She should be for the two of us to fight over. <laughs> right. <laughs> really, Peter, because Bobby's only doing it just, just for show, because we know he's really in love with Peter. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, it's it's really, like, uh <laughs> It's really... We're, we're finding a lot of themes and sort of, like, ongoing preferences of this show, and a lot of them are fun. This is not one of them. Yeah. <laughs> this is not one that I like. <laughs> it's like, I know, it's 1981. Like, I get it. And it's like, I'm sure there are people listening where it's like, well, duh. Like, she's a girl on a superhero show in the 1980s. Like, <laughs> it's, I mean, yeah. So, yeah. I get it. It's just like, it still sucks that it comes up so often. It will be one thing if there were just, like, occasional annoying comments. But, like, the fact that they're major plot points multiple times and like the core motivations for characters just to be like let's protect the girl we like the girl we're jealous because someone else wants to date the girl which spoiler alert comes up in the next episode too but like a even more inconsequential way like (laughs) yeah it just feels um it feels i hate to say lazy it feels like uh it's uncreative you know like you're just using the same yeah sort of mechanics to, to tell different stories when yeah. you could use different mechanics to tell different stories. How many times is Firestar going to fall in love? How many times is she going to get kidnapped? How many times is, is she going to be used as a power source? How many times is Peter and, and Bobby going to be jealous of her? Like, <laughs> like you can only milk exactly. that so many times, you know? Right, right. I'm going to be really disappointed if that happens, you know, every other episode because we've been having so much fun with this series because it's a really fun series. Mm-hmm. And Firestar's a really cool character. I really yes. I really like her. I like her performance. I like her power set. I like like just her whole personality. Like it's really cool. So it's disappointing that they use her like this so often. Yeah. And especially knowing the history of the show and knowing there was this whole like feminist underscoring for the creation of it and everything that obviously hasn't really played out in any way. So Yeah. Well, it's a bummer cuz it makes it it makes it very clear that the sort of like feminist motivation was more of a marketing and capitalist motivation <laughs> like yep. what's hot right now yep. <laughs> type of thing yep so but you know sometimes crappy motivation still gives us like cool product and firestar is a cool product of that crappy motivation that's very true very true yeah. so i'm glad I'm at, I'm at least glad she exists because she really is becoming my favorite thing about this show oh yeah same here well, um, as uh, as Firestar and Sunfire enjoy their nice little evening out superheroing together, <laughs> another another uh, air vehicle uh, suddenly can't fly. <laughs> There's a plane that just breaks down for no reason. <laughs> and? <laughs> and a daredevil who is, like, doing a show. His jet-powered motorcycle just stops jet-powering. 
Um, this, no one should fly in this universe. Apparently, everything inevitably breaks down. Yep. Um, good thing Fire, Firestar and uh, Sunfire are both there to save literally everyone who is in the air. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I do kind of love the idea of, like, them having, like, a, a hot date where all they do is just, like, save things falling from the sky. I mean... <laughs> like, it is actually really funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's gotta that's gotta get you worked up. Let's be real. Like, it's an adrenaline rush there. There's, yeah. like, a, a, a Buffy quote that I like from uh, from Faith at one point where it's just like, you ever notice how slaying just makes you hungry and horny? <laughs> it's like, I get it. I, I can yeah. see that. <laughs> that's what they're doing. Yep. <laughs> Meanwhile, Spidey and Iceman show up at uh, Ishiban Electronics, and they get captured like literally just as soon as the, as soon as they get there. They don't pretty much. I mean, what are they even doing? What are they expecting to find? Like the fact that they're like, imagine, imagine if <laughs> if 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 you're going on a date and your friends are like, we're protective of you, so they go to your date's workplace, like their office, yeah. place of employment, to quote unquote investigate it. Like, <laughs> granted, yeah. his uncle is a supervillain, but there's no indication that anyone knows that. So, yeah, if you were just to go to someone's office and just started snooping around, that would be weird. <laughs> yeah, they're bad friends. <laughs> <laughs> they're very bad friends. This is also, I think, our moment in which we say one rewrite would have solved this. <laughs> Because if they just, if they, if they just made it so that Peter's spider sense went off at the robot samurai, there you go. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. There's their motivation for checking out Ichiban. Yeah. Something's off. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. But instead we get this. Uh, (laughs) They get caught by these robot samurai who again are really cool and there's a bunch of them now. So that's even cooler. We don't dislike you robot samurai. Yeah. You love you. You're good. Um, they surround Spidey and Iceman. Um, they, they try a bunch of stuff, but nothing works against their sonic sticks. Oh, I forgot about this cringe. Uh, There's uh, more cringe. Uh, uh. Well, <laughs> as they're surrounded and as they're, uh, as they're, uh, realizing their inevitable defeat, they make a joke about Custer's last stand, uh, which seems like a great choice. Uh, <laughs> honestly, like all of like the problematic stuff about that aside, what bothered me more than anything was like, Bobby wouldn't know that reference. That's a Spider-Man <laughs> reference. They say it together. They're like, and, and, and Spider-Man says it to, to, to Iceman, like, like this reminds you of a movie. You know what this reminds me of, right? Like, as if they're like on the same wavelength and then say like, Custer's last stand together. Like, Bobby would have no freaking idea what any of that is. That's not the type of movie he would watch. Like, yeah, no. Uh, it's as bad. No, around. not at all. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a bummer because like, because <laughs> Bobby, just like, just like with Firestar, if they like took the airhead stuff out, if they just like traded all of Firestar's airhead moments for Bobby's enlightened moments, the two characters would be perfect. Yeah, yeah. I can see Firestar <laughs> and Spidey saying at the same time. That makes uh-huh. sense. Yeah. But like Bobby just watches Die Hard over and over again. Like that he wouldn't he wouldn't know this. He wouldn't Oh, he loves John McClane. Oh god, obviously. Oh, he loves he loves him. Uh, especially when he's crawling through those vents and you get those mm-hmm. little shots from behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, that's annoying. Anyway, <laughs> Genju has this like mind mind suspending gadget thing. I don't I don't know, but he puts it on <laughs> he puts it on Spider Man. It puts him in like a sonic trance from which they will never awake. Never. Yeah. Okay. Um, Iceman manages to escape before he gets that put on him, though. Yes. 
Yeah. Anyway, um, and as their date is coming to a close, Sunfire asks Firestar if she'll help them, uh, if she'll help him prove that his uh, uncle wants to help mankind, which is a weird question to ask or a weird way to ask that question, because that implies that, like, he knows that his uncle is perceived as being a bad guy or not right. help mankind. So there's like a whole story there where he's like got some weird complex about his family, like not being evil. I feel like, like he really is in deep denial about it. Yeah. But we don't really get that. So he just ends up looking dumb. <laughs> well, we get like little hints of it and we get another hint of it actually like pretty soon. So like, so as they arrive at Ichiban Electronics, Sunfire basically says like, let me go in first real quick. And he sees that Genju has captured Spider-Man and Genju instructs Sunfire to stop Iceman from escaping, which is interesting. And it sets up uh, an interaction that they have in like maybe 30 seconds. So Sunfire runs into Iceman and does the whole like, so we meet again, Iceman type thing. Mm-hmm. And they have this like crazy epic battle where they just like try to outpower each other over and over and over. But since their powers negate each other, they just like keep flexing and it doesn't work, <laughs> which is actually kind of cool. They like keep trying different things. I like that they try different things as opposed to just like, we're going to beam each other over and over. <laughs> right. <laughs> But uh, the reason that Iceman loses is not because Sunfire overpowers him, but because Genju sneaks up behind Iceman when they're fighting and puts the gadget on Iceman. Yeah. Sunfire seems to be sort of uncomfortable with that, I thought. I kind of took it as a, like, that wasn't fair. Like, why did you do that type of thing? Mm -hmm. But his uncle sort of, like, cuts him off before he can really question it. And I actually think... There are a few moments where you sort of see Sunfire begin to question Genju or sort of like seem uncomfortable or distrustful or want to ask like one more question. But Genju is just like, no, do this thing. Yes. And I think there's there's maybe just sort of like this is my uncle and I work for him type of like familial respect where Sunfire never really pushes. But you can always just kind of see that there's an awareness that he's he's uncomfortable. And I think that right there mm-hmm. is sort of what feeds into the, the awkward help me prove that my uncle wants to help mankind type of question. Yeah, it's like he, <laughs> like knows. he knows other people think there's something wrong. I think he thinks that something's slightly wrong, but he still believes like, no, my uncle's a good guy. You know, he's a good yeah. guy. He's doing this thing. It's good. I swear. Yeah. And it would make sense like if this is sort of the one project that's going to prove like, this is going to prove that I wasn't wrong. This will prove that he yes. actually is good and everything that I've said is correct. So that's his investment. Yeah. That's why even though he's uncomfortable, like he's not going to, he's not going to question the whole thing or throw the whole thing out the window because it's going to validate his own belief too. Right. right. So go after Iceman. Okay. Yeah. Of course, of course I'm going to go after Iceman. Iceman and I already have beef and like, I, I got to make sure this goes right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and I, yeah, right. I, and I like that. I wish, in, a, in, a, in kind of a little more of a character-driven show, we probably would have seen that be a whole arc for him because I think that's a yeah. really interesting uh, angle to, to go at it at. We don't, we're just kind of reading between the lines for this. But, yeah. but, but like you said, there are pretty specific specific lines. Like, even when he first enters, there's a really... I wrote it down because it's a really, it's a really badly delivered line from the actor. <laughs> and I'm not going to repeat it how he says it because it's just going to sound like I'm doing a really bad Asian stereotype. Um, but, but he's just like... The first question he asks when he comes in, when he sees like all these robots surrounding Iceman and Spidey is like, uncle, what is this? I've, I've brought Firestar. Yeah. Like, but, but like you said, like his uncle is always just like, well, that doesn't matter. 
we've, we've got to we've got to move on with this project. And the other one that I thought was actually kind of a funny line, but like still kind of plays into like his denial is is when Iceman is is fighting him. They're having their whole like pissing contest. Oh yeah. And Iceman's like, I've got to stop your uncle. And Sunfire's like, Why? Because he's old. Yeah, <laughs> like, you want to fight him because he's old. Like obviously <laughs> that's not the reason, but he's so he's so like wanting to believe that that everyone else is wrong that he's just yeah like, well you just don't like old people you're just you're just ageist i guess like <laughs> <laughs> so now that Iceman has like lost that fight he's been captured he's got the mind control thing genju prompts firestar and sunfire to power the fusion reactor um firestar doesn't know yet that Iceman and spider-man have been there at all so she's sort of like, oh, okay, yeah, let's do this. Let's help mankind. But quickly, it's revealed that Spider-Man and Iceman are there. I'm not really sure how that screen turns on that reveals that, but it's like a screen that pops up hmm. showing that Iceman and Spider-Man have been taken prisoner. So then she's like, wait a second, no. <laughs> yeah. Like, those are my friends. I'm not going to help you anymore. <laughs> Something's clearly wrong with this scenario. So she goes, like, from being like, yeah, that's cool, to seeing her friends imprisoned, to being like, nah, I'm not helping you. Which is a natural reaction <laughs> to what's going on. <laughs> yeah. It's still not enough for Sunfire, though, because he's still, he's still so committed to this. Like, he... he yeah. It's... Again, if this was like a more like a little bit of like a more mature show or something, I could see it being a pretty big moment. But he just straight up like grabs her, yeah, and and sort of is. This using... is like ugh, the biggest bummer Sunfire moment. Yes, it really is. It really is. And again, like I think it, if it if it was played a little more like dramatically, that it was like a big a big issue or turning point for him. I could see it being played a little better, but as it stands, it's just kind of hashtag problematic. Um, he grabs her and is basically like putting all of his energy into her, threatening to uh, burn her up with his own powers if she doesn't use uh, her powers to power the uh, the reactor. But uh, so, you know, she, she's kind of forced to, to concede to this. And then this ends up powering up and then releasing the fire monster, which consumes both of their powers and uh, renders them completely, completely helpless. And that's what tips Sunfire off. It's like, finally, it takes like a giant like fire kaiju to, to get him to yeah. understand like, oh, I guess Michael is a bad guy, which... I mean, it bothered me when I first watched it, but then, like, kind of viewing it through the lens of, like, if we're supposed to be tracking this character arc where he really is just in deep, 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 deep denial and just does not want to believe what everyone else is telling about his uncle. Like, I get it. Like, it's actually is a kind of a big, a big moment for him. It sucks that it wasn't really played out that great because he looks a little bit yeah. dumb, but, but I get it. Like, this, this is finally, like, the, the off the cliff moment for him. Yeah. And, uh, but, but his shock lets Firestar realize that he was also also tricked. So, I mean, there was that kind of creepy abusive moment, but she she forgives him for everything pretty instantaneously, knowing that he, pretty much. he was as much of a pawn as she was in all of this. Yeah. Yeah, Genju, uh, after, after the fire monster is released, basically demands that Sunfire join him uh, in the conquest, and realizing that he was just tricked uh, and used, Sunfire's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to help you. So Genju has uh, both of the the mutants locked up alongside Spider-Man and Iceman, which actually doesn't go very well because as Firestar is being put into the Sonic trance, Sunfire uses the Sonic sticks against the robot samurai and yeah. just frees everybody like 30 seconds later. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. Actually, I like <laughs> the animation that they use for him using yeah. it. Like, it's, it's pretty neat. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he does that, frees everybody. Um, but meanwhile, Genji is commanding the fire monster to destroy, burn, explode, 
generally just destroy everything, I guess. I don't really know what yeah. Zen game is. But... Remember when I was talking about motivation? <laughs> we have no idea what Genju's motivation is. Right. They say repeatedly, like, oh, he's mad. Like, I guess he's just... Mm. I don't feel like that. <laughs> That's not a good, uh, good... I'm not buying it. <laughs> Again, also a little bit hashtag problematic on that front. But, uh, yep. Yeah, so he's just generally destroying everything. But uh, they do figure out how to restore Firestar and Sunfire's powers. They have their whole little moment where they... Uh, where they don't have, where they say they don't have them. Spider-Man does come up with the idea to use the fusion reactor somehow to restore their powers. And they do. <laughs> science. And <laughs> science. And there's a brief little moment where, um, like usual, they, they, they play it like, oh no, they died. But then a second later, no, they're fine. And they walk mm-hmm. out of the fire holding hands. And then the fire like explodes and goes away somehow, just because that's how fire works. They just absorb it. <laughs> they just absorb it, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they battle some more robot samurai. There's a brief little, like, shot where we see uh, the Genju model, like, with the samurai, even though he's out with the fire creature. Um, <laughs> I didn't even pick up on that, and I watched yeah. this twice. <laughs> yeah, that was like, wait, did I miss something? Did he did he not leave with it? But, uh, but yeah. Oh, so that's so funny. He was there for a second, but they're fighting the robot samurai. Um, uh, oh, and Bobby also yells Bonsai at one point, because, of course, he Oh, does. that's right. <laughs> um, so there's that. <sighs> Is that? But yeah, so they're fighting him. Uh, they set out to confront the uh, samurai with a, or they set out to confront the fire monster with a, as usual, a very characteristically overwritten plan. <laughs> uh, the, the 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 fire monster is is kind of doing his usual destruction. We see like there's a there's a, a billboard that's uh, just for cool and fresh cola bola. Uh, yeah, by what the way. is that? Yeah, it's like of all the the things that you could have called a. Uh, a soda product, Cola Bola, is not one that I would have picked, but all right. Yeah, not great. I could have done a much better Coca-Cola, like, riff. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so their plan is, uh, it doesn't really make sense, so just stick with us, <laughs> us. Stick with us on this. But um, Spider-Man uh, gets a bunch of, like, ice balls from Iceman, um, which somehow, like, even though there's these little tiny, like, ice rocks, it's enough to distract the fire monster. That It's enough to piss him He's off like somehow. He's, like, real bothered. He's real bothered by these little ice balls that are just going to, like, <laughs> melt as soon as they get in the vicinity of him. Uh-huh. Whatever. I don't know. I do like whenever I see Spider-Man with his little web bag in Yeah. Show. I think that's cool. He carries him. I do like that. Bag. It's cute. I yeah. dig it. Meanwhile, Firestar and Sunfire use their powers to create these two large cones of water from the nearby river, uh, which Iceman freezes. Uh, there's there's two of these big ones. Um, so it's like it, it dries up what appears to be they don't reveal it until later, but it appears to be the entire river uh, leaving this, these giant like ice pillars, essentially just just uh, where the river used to be. Um, so we find out what Spidey was doing the entire time was distracting the the monster and then leading him to where the empty, empty riverbed was, uh, specifically so Firestar and Sunfire could melt these giant ice cone things, um, which would drown the fire monster in the water. Also, by the way, the fire monster is drawn in, in these uh, a couple of these scenes which they, with a surprisingly nice butt. Um, that's Derek's butt watch 2019. I think that's great. Derek's mm-hmm. butt watch. <laughs> oh, fantastic. they didn't have to, not a character I would no. have expected, but I dig it hard yeah. to get screenshots though, because he's constantly moving around. So none of them True. look good, but they look good in motion. Anyway, yeah. on to the next, uh, on the next thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> this episode does do some things, right? It does. It does. Thank like you. Like fire monster, butt. Thank you. (laughs) 
But yeah, so the fire monster does get drowned in the water. Um, Genju shouts villainously as Sunfire declares, your evil is ended. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. They defeat it. They couldn't have just, like, led him to the water. (laughs) That's true. I guess they figure maybe this fire monster was smart enough to, like, avoid the water, but not smart enough to avoid a giant cone of ice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, back at Ichiban Electronics, Firestar and Sunfire do part ways after Sunfire shares that he's going to put his uncle in the best hospital to cure him. Yeah. from madness i guess is, is the implication good luck with that <laughs> yeah good good luck we saw how that went for green goblin not well <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as the sun sets the two fire mutants kiss what's the cure for missing someone yes mm. yes also sunfire kisses uh, firestar like on the palm of her hand it's weird like oh she has her hand on his face like the, 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 there's a really pretty shot where they kiss like, yeah, on yeah, the lips. Yeah. But like before that she has her hand on his face and while she's talking to him and then like there's a really like oh, yeah. elongated kissy sound effect. That's um, right. Cuz I remember the weird noise. <laughs> yeah, and it goes on for a long time. It's on the palm of her hand. Like he just like moves it. So <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah. A not weird. a common I, I guess I won't say it's not a thing, but it's not a, a common thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean to each their say. own, but uh right. Not a thing that you would normally see. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't make for, like, a great cinematic moment. (laughs) No, no. That said, their silhouette against the sunset. Yeah. I really like that. That I thought that was really cool. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. The episode ends with Peter. (laughs) God. Peter and Bobby brainstorming, like, they want to cheer up Angelica. They're brainstorming, like, just all the random Japanese things that they possibly can. Angelica pulls like the weakest prank of all pranks where she's just it's like bad. It's like dinner is served and gives them a couple of chopsticks. So it's like, oh, oh, no, they're getting Chinese food. That's bad, I guess. But then Aunt May opens uh, uh, like shows them uh, their dinner and it's actually a pizza because she's not <laughs> sad. And I guess pizza, is, the pizza looks disgusting, by the way. Yeah, it's the most it's pretty terrible looking pizza, terribly drawn pizza ever. But like. I don't know. I would be excited for Chinese food or Japanese food or any kind of Asian food. I right. Use pizza that much. I mean, pizza's good too. <laughs> They're all good. Like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> this, it like wasn't weird until the, the prank because like, I don't mind Bobby and Peter brainstorming totally random Japanese things because they look stupid. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, oh, you guys are being dumb. But, the, but I don't understand anything about the prank. I don't get it at all. <laughs> yeah, like what was the... It's the implication is that like Asian food that you eat with chopsticks is bad and pizza is good. Like I don't, a relief. Like, I oh, thank goodness it's right. pizza. I don't think that's what they were going for. No, I don't think so either. But it but definitely like, reads a little bit that way at least. Right. <laughs> yeah. So not a great note to end that one on. He has weird, weird, yeah. weird note. Yeah. For but, a, kind of a weird episode. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't hate this episode though. I, yeah. there's a lot of like cringe going on. And if, if you take out the cringe and if you tighten the screws on, I think Angelica's personality and if you could, if you could explore shiro's relationship with his uncle a little bit more mm-hmm. i actually think you have a really really good compelling episode yeah um yeah. there's just so much in the way of its success unfortunately absolutely i, I think shiro is a pretty cool character like I, yeah. I, don't think he, I don't think he's written to be very much like the comic but as as a character like i could see him being a pretty he's a really cool hero and i mean just having 
an, an Asian American or just Asian character of any kind that's a superhero is a, is cool. Like that's a big deal. Yeah. So I and I think that he's he's written he is written to be a pretty 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 cool character overall for the most part. It's just yeah, there's just the stuff surrounding it that's that holds it back. And you know, it was 1981. Like there's only yeah. so much you could fault it for, but it just sucks that like that's a thing that exists. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, faces of the episode. We got a few of them for this one. Yeah. So uh, I liked Peter's shocked face when uh, when Aunt May enters the helicopter or she wakes up. In, from the helicopter ride, not knowing anything. Um, Peter always makes a good shocked face. It's It just looks good. Like, there's that really it, Yeah. No, it does look good. It's a good shocked face. It's also, I'm realizing, one of the few sort of, like, really face front, like, head-on shots of Peter that we get. Because in these episodes, Peter's in, like, suited up for most of the episodes. True. So I'm always sort of, like caught off guard where i'm like oh that's right that's what peter looks like in this series you know what i mean yeah we we don't see it very often that's true yeah in his turtleneck i love i love his turtle his yellow turtleneck and his like i feel like it's a denim jacket or something i really like his outfit in this series i do too (laughs) angelica's too yeah yeah bobby's is eh. bobby's is is fine bobby's is boring yeah it's it's boring (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah peter's pretty stylish i like his hair too yeah yeah um the other one that i picked out I it's 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 a close up on Sunfire standing next to one of the robot samurai and I don't know like there's some kind of there's probably some kind of mistake with how they drew his eyes because there's like a line <laughs> between it but it makes him look like he's just either really annoyed or like disinterested in what's going on whereas like the samurai robot looks like like really like shocked and very like extra cartoony <laughs> so like it is I was just like it makes me feel like it's like a buddy cop comedy and like Sunfire's yeah. just un- uptight hero who's just totally annoyed by the antics of his <laughs> wacky robot partner and they saw something wacky happen so <laughs> I just I'd watch it. that I would too I love the design of the samurai robots in general actually I think they're really fun. yeah they're fun yeah yeah uh they they really struggled with Sunfire's costume they had a lot of like uh animation flubs with that costume you could tell that they were they were not used to doing it (laughs) yeah it's a weird it is kind of a weird costume it's it's very like i don't know it there's a lot i think probably the different the coloring of it probably made there's a lot of extra lines on it that they yeah probably weren't anticipating and i don't i don't really get what's going on with the mask like that's comics accurate i don't understand like what's supposed to be happening there I'm not sure either, so I'm not going to speculate too much because I don't know. Like, I know that there's obviously stuff about this costume that's meant to be inspired by specifically Japanese things. Yeah. I also know some of those specifically Japanese things are outdated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't I don't know. And so that's all I'll say about this one specifically. But I will say, I think it's Jordan Gibson who did a redesign of it. Um, Ooh. I really hope I'm right because I would feel terrible crediting the wrong artist. But Jordan Gibson, who did the the variant uh, Power Rangers covers, mm-hmm. did a redesign of this that was sort of updated, that was meant to sort of be an homage to Japanese superheroes, yeah. and that, that sort of took the imperialist flag imagery out and replaced it with something that was less, that was still reminiscent of the costume, but that was less, you know, imperialist flag right. centric. And it's a very cool design. I think that's he gets a cool. scarf too. Oh, that's cool. I love it. He did it. Yeah. He did some really great uh Toku Spider Man art too. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure it was him. 
Yeah, that I believe it. That sounds like some. Yeah. That sounds like his style. <laughs> <laughs> and then one. Uh, this isn't really a face of the episode because we tend to highlight things that are sort of like uh, funny or kooky or weird. But I just really want to draw attention to this really fantastic frame as my as my uh, fandom, I suppose, for for Firestar grows. Mm-hmm. I just appreciate her more and more and more. And there's this really cool frame where she's like where she's extending her hand out toward the the meteor that's falling and her hair is like like uh kind of like wild uh mm-hmm. and like I don't know it's just really well drawn it's sort of like uh it's very heroic yeah it's a very heroic pose it's great no I agree I, I like Firestar's design a lot like me too yeah like it's very it's pretty simple for the most part but her hair is so great <laughs> her, yeah her whole yeah. like 80s blowout is so good yeah, it's really, really dope. Yeah, it's a good shot. They got a lot of good shot. They had a lot of good shots of Firestar in this episode, even yeah. even though they didn't necessarily service her perfectly. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. <sighs> that was something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, a good episode that just had too many problems. <laughs> yes, at least the next episode is a, is is a little less problematic <laughs> and a little more straightforward. I think way more straightforward. Yeah, this is maybe one of the more straightforward episodes we'll end up covering. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. The next episode we're talking about is uh, Amazing Friends Season 1, Episode 5. It's just called Swarm. Swarm. Good title names for these ones. Very good. I like like these simple one-word titles. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, makes it easier to name the podcast episodes when we combine them, too. <laughs> true. So true. <laughs> uh, the synopsis of this one per IMDb is a meteor crashes into a beehive, creating a mutant creature that calls itself Swarm, whose, <laughs> whose body is made up of thousands, probably more, of bees. Swarm, whose lair is a giant beehive where the meteor radiating its power is housed, immediately begins mutating worker bees into huge drones, then begins zapping the residents of New York City into drones. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Original air date, October 10th, 1981. This one is written by the story editor Dennis Marks. Talked about him a few times already. Check yeah. back with our first episode to learn more about him. Yeah, and there's not a ton in the way of major characters introduced. We pretty much have Swarm introduced. Uh, but he was portrayed by Al Fan, who I didn't do a ton. He provided voices for the challenge of the Super Friends, but they don't specify who. And he appeared in a ton of cartoons that a lot of these actors have appeared in, such as Alvin and the Chipmunks, Plastic Man Comedy Adventure Show, and Saturday Supercade. So I suspect this is just a guy who sort of like was in that circle, but didn't do a ton of stuff. Sure. So uh that's that's that guy and i I guess i can see why because swarm's voice doesn't really you know there's not much to it you didn't need to get a high profile guy yeah we do see flash thompson actually speaking in this episode and uh immediately knew exactly who it was (laughs) because it's frank welker and frank welker we can always tell it's you buddy (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah i mean he tries he does he tries to do something different but the problem is that bobby's already really dumb and so flash thompson it's just like slightly dumber and a little yeah. more jockey and that's that's about it so well, and the, the thing with frank welker's voice is he he can do different voices but there's some sort of quality to his voice that i i don't know what it's what i would call it but it's it, he can't get rid of it yeah. you know and so it's always there. So even though Flash Thompson doesn't sound exactly like Bobby, that quality is still there. So oh, you're like, yeah. mm, that's you. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. It's something I don't it's not quite a texture, but it's there's something there. Yeah, it's like in the same way that like like John DiMaggio, you can always tell it's him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah, like it's like yeah. You can have there you can have range. Or like H. This. John Benjamin. H well <laughs> it's better than H. John Benjamin. H. John Benjamin, I love him to death. <laughs> He has zero range for his character. That's all right. He can read me literally anything, and I would be fine with it. I know. Uh, He's like great voice. One hundred percent, one of my big crushes for real. So big time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wish he had done uh, Professor Wells' voice because I have no idea who did Professor Wells' voice. But I just want to say that Professor Wells is introduced in this episode because his voice, whoever did it, is awesome. Yeah. I was so upset that I couldn't find who did the voice because. Whoever does Professor Wells' voice does this really cool (laughs) opening, it's not quite a narration, but this, like, opening monologue, kind of, that fades, not fades into, but just transitions into Professor Wells talking. Yeah. And I'm so bummed that I couldn't figure out who did it. Lame, yeah. I know. I wonder, too, if when they added Stan Lee's narration, like, I wonder if he, like, replaced the narration on those versions. He didn't. He didn't, and I know this because I looked, um, superfriends.com has a bunch of, most of, I would say, the Stan Lee narrations, Mm -hmm. and it specified that, I think, I don't remember what order they go in, but they both exist. The Stan Lee stuff and this this little monologue that I'm that I'm gonna read word for word. They both happen. How? There's like no there's so no time for it. That's crazy. I don't know. I I don't think there's a there's probably a terrible transition, but I'm pretty (laughs) sure that I'm pretty sure that they both happen. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So anyway, this is what it is. So the episode opens basically with a shot of space. Uh so I'm already sold. And then this really cool voice starts talking over these shots of space and says the mysteries abounding in deep space cannot be imagined even by man's most adventurous dreamers. Life forms, forces, influence totally alien to man's knowledge may exist in unimaginable numbers. Forces capable of bizarre, catastrophic, supernatural evil. Man. I know. It's so good. Which is funny because then it just turns into a thing that Professor Wells was saying to his students. <laughs> And then he goes like, but hopefully you won't run into that evil. (laughs) Thanks, Professor. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) But whoever did that read, spot on. So good. (laughs) So, so good. (laughs) Anyway, it is Professor Wells speaking. So the episode opens uh, after that space shot. It opens in an observatory where Peter, Angelica, Bobby, and their classmates are receiving uh, instructions for a rocket assignment from Professor Wells. While Professor Wells is talking, Peter notices something approaching their general location from space because some sort of instrument is picking up on it and giving a signal. So Peter checks it out and is like, there's a thing, Uh, which hilariously, Professor Wells is like, something or and then like lists off all kinds of weird (laughs) space objects that it could be. Big fan of Professor Wells here. Thanks, Professor. (laughs) I know. He appears one more time and I'm looking forward to it. Oh, cool. Yeah. So because of this, Angelica looks through the telescope in the observatory. Doesn't really help. She just says, like, it's a blue light. (laughs) And of all people in the room to figure it out, Flash is the one that says it's a meteor. (laughs) like guys it's a meteor Uh, but he seems very unconcerned he says it's going to land 10 miles from a nearby airport kind of a weird way that they wrote that i'm assuming that he's saying that because the nearest by thing is an airport 
And so he's saying it's not a big deal because it's not going to hit the airport. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. I had to listen to it a couple times. Yeah, very confusing. I agree. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But Peter is like, no, that's still a bad thing. Because if it's if it's landing anywhere near an airport, it could hit a plane. So, <laughs> so that's they are now concerned again. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> yeah, so... Uh, luckily, um, their very powerful fire star is there witnessing this. So Angelica, see, this is what I'm talking about. Every time something happens, Angelica's like, "I got this." Yeah, because like, <laughs> what could Spider-Man do in this situation? Really, I mean, get crushed by a meteor, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's it. So Angelica, kind of, in, kind of conspicuously, but uh, conspicuously, runs from yeah. the observatory, transforms into the fire star. She flies up to warn the nearby plane. They just understand that she's like, "Oh, fire star wants us to change course." <laughs> cool I'm they know who she is too <laughs> yeah <laughs> so they're like oh it's firestar so i lucky on all fronts i guess yep but uh but yeah so they listen to her they do they change course and it does they they miss the collision with the object somehow like by turning i guess like the 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 propulsion from the jets like makes firestar like fall <laughs> knocks her out she of gets, the sky yeah i don't know what knocks her out of the sky but she gets knocked out of the sky in a very hilarious fashion <laughs> it's hilarious she just like they just like take her model and spin it <laughs> yeah yeah and she's just like screaming all the way down like can't you <laughs> just fly again i don't understand how that works okay <laughs> so yeah so she's falling it's also she can witness what happens next so the object now lands on a nearby farm it's just a kind of this like blue ball thing it uh it cracks open and radiates this mysterious blue light uh, it radiates it into a beehive that's just hanging above it um, and then brings in swarms of bees from all over to gather into this humanoid-shaped swarm called Swarm. <laughs> Which I legitimately thought was only going to say its name for the whole episode. <laughs> Here was my... my and as soon as this all happened, I thought that too. I thought it was going to be a case where it was like, an alien thing that's all i could say it couldn't communicate and then maybe they figure out later like oh all it wants to do is just like build a hive or like go home or something and then they help Aww. it yeah and i wish a... that had been it that would have been such a cute episode it would have i think it would have been better <laughs> and it was just you know all misunderstanding like it was turning people into it would be turning people into worker bees to help it like not knowing that like it wasn't supposed to do that yeah but instead it's like pretty quickly just like i'm going to turn people into drones and kill everyone like so yeah it doesn't really work out like that but yeah. that said, I, I know that like the voice actor didn't do much, but I think he does a really great job with it. Part of it probably is because of like the, uh, the, the effects that they kind of overlay over his voice. Yeah. They try to make it sound like it's multiple voices. Yeah. They do like a sort of echoey thing, but it's not overbearing. Yeah. I think it works really well. I think all of his kind of like yelly line reads are really good. Yeah. I love the effect of of this kind of like with the fire monster where it's like you know obviously they didn't have a computer to do this so it's just like literally just like marker or pencil scribbles inside of him that are all constantly moving at different rates which I'm sure had to not be very fun to animate but it comes out looking really 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 cool and I really am into it I really appreciate it but it makes me so uncomfortable really (laughs) because it's all bees Mm -hmm. it's just bees (laughs) but bees are bees are good bees are are good but like it's a body shaped thousands of bees so i just imagine thousands of bees on my body i mean (laughs) it's just great it's just like 
like skin crawly a little bit. That's but bees, you're cool. I'm not anti bee. Yeah, that's why I kind of <laughs> wish he was a good guy because I know that they weren't like as paranoid about the bees like disappearing and dying off right. back then. But it would have been a nice little lesson where it's just like, oh, the bees are just just let them be. Let the bees be. <laughs> let the bees be. Yeah. But <laughs> well, no. they don't let the bees be because a farmer throws a pitchfork at it. <laughs> oh my God. This farmer is so dumb. He, I don't understand. <laughs> He's just like, get off my farm. Like it's, it's yeah. a hovering mass of bees and it, uh-huh. and he's still yelling at it to leave his farm until he throws his pitchfork and sees it like all separate. And then that's, that's the, that's the line that he draws where it's like, I can't believe my eyes. Like, you could believe your eyes when it was a floating mass of bees talking to you? Okay. I, he must have... He he had to have thought it was a body. Because even floating? if he did throw... I, oh, I know. I know. <laughs> he's, he's, he's dumb. But, like, even if you threw a pitchfork at this, this swarm of bees and it didn't separate itself, you're going to hit, like, some of the bees. <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? <laughs> farmer not smart <laughs> yeah so he deserves to get turned into a like mutant body horror bee drone thing yeah uh, which mm-hmm. is what happens um, that's exactly what happens <laughs> swarm like shoots this these lasers out of his eyes that like and he's like everyone will work for a swarm and it like mutates this guy he grows like different like antenna he grows like another set of like kind of like arm protrusion types things mm-hmm. and wings and his eyes like turn into bee eyes and he's like i work for a swarm now also, Amazing Friends I Watch 2019. Mm-hmm, uh, we, mm-hmm, got our, mm-hmm. we got uh, a reflection of the farmer in Swarm's eyes, and then shortly we see Firestar reflected in Swarm's eyes. So there That's is like a, five out of five eye shots. Yep, there's an eye shot in every single episode of this show. It's cool. Yeah. It's just interesting. <laughs> that's that's the type of theme I can approve. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Swarm ends up creating himself a huge beehive-like lair right over that radiating meteor thing. Kind of to protect it, but also, like, he just needs a home, you know? Sure. Yeah. And like you said, Angelica does witness this and just can't help but shout about how horrible it is. Which, Swarm (laughs) hears. <laughs> it's horrible. Like it's so horrible. She was so far away. She didn't. <laughs> no. I guess I've never seen a giant humanoid swarm of bees like turning people into a monster. <laughs> Maybe I would have the same reaction. Maybe you would shout as well. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but uh if you did, you would get farmer bee person after you. Mm-hmm. Cuz that's what happens. And he gets his pitchfork back, apparently, because when uh, when Swarm tells the, the newly created bee person to attack her, he throws the pitchfork at her, too. Which she could just, you know, levitate to the left and dodge it, but instead she chooses to... Mm-mm. To burn it Vaporize to that thing. Vaporize it, yeah. Okay, yeah. Firestar. Vaporize the whole pitchfork. <laughs> Another theme that's that's coming, that, that comes up repeatedly with her, is that she just can't move places. She always has that's to... That's true. <laughs> <laughs> she can't just fly away. Right. <laughs> Until she vaporizes the pitchfork. Then right. she can fly away, because she's got to tell Peter and Bobby what's going on. Right. Uh, so she heads over there. Um, meanwhile, we see uh, Flash is bragging about going on a date with Angelica, which, as we all know, Angelica is Peter's property. So this is a big problem for him. We also know that Angelica is literally the only woman in this entire universe. <laughs> <laughs> oh this is not God. a judgment on angelica date everybody you want to however <laughs> writers <laughs> other people date 
god. Yeah. So Peter's Peter's like. Peter, like, doesn't, thinks that Flash is lying about dating Angelica, no. I guess. He's Which like, was the first thing I thought. Yeah. 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 Fair. Um, it I was like, you're lying. It, yeah. Because it is, it doesn't, he doesn't seem like her type. But I don't know. No. Maybe she was, maybe she was just out for the D. Maybe she wasn't yeah, out for the maybe brain. she doesn't have a type. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. So he's like, he's mad about that. So he, like, uses his, uh, his webs to, like, trip Flash into a puddle of mud in front of everyone who's in the car, but they don't see Peter with the web. They just see Flash fall somehow. <laughs> I don't know. And also Good the guy, move, Petey. Yeah. And also the guy in the car that's yelling is like definitely the same voice actor as Peter because it sounds exactly like Peter yelling to Flash only for Peter to be like, I'm yep. not going. So that's weird. But one voice. He's got one voice. <laughs> anyway, none of that, none of that matters no, to anything. Really. <laughs> Uh, he, he, he does receive Angelica's message to get Iceman and stay away from the bees, eight foot tall with eight foot tall and blue eyes. Peter's just like, sure. Um, okay. (laughs) (laughs) If you say so. (laughs) Right. I mean, like fair, I would probably do that without you telling me to do that too, but Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, and there's this whole little, like, diversion with Peter, which, uh, it's it's definitely kind of, like, a fillery thing, but it's cute. I like this, these details of this. He basically had uh, forgotten his costume, or he didn't forget it. He um, he left it at home to, to, to wash it, which, uh, good that he's doing that, because it probably smells really bad. True, true. He left it at home in the wash, so he, he has a whole little stick where he has to, like, take his shoes off so he can climb the, climb the wall to jump on the bus without being seen. Again, none of that matters. That's just a little <laughs> bit of filler. Just so we can see him running home to Bobby, who's sleeping on the couch. Uh, he says he was dreaming of Angelica. Creepy. Probably wasn't. He was dreaming of Peter. He was just making that up. Yeah. Yeah. Just but, got a uh, cover. <laughs> yeah. Just his cover. Um, Peter flips the little switch to to turn all of their computer lab stuff on. Nearly, like, probably would have killed Bobby if he didn't, like, jump off when he did. At the very least, he'd be in, like, a technological coffin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the best case scenario. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> But uh, Peter instructs Bobby to freeze dry his costume. Uh, I, okay, I have a question, a legitimate question. Okay. (laughs) When I saw this, I was like, that is not how that would work. And then I thought, I actually have no idea what freeze drying even means. I don't either. I mean, my, my take is that it's very literal in this case. I don't know if this is how they do it to food, but like, I think literally he frees all of the moisture in the suit and then they punch it to crack all of the moisture yeah. off, so all the moisture falls off, so it's dry. Which I think that there are problems with that, but I see the logic in it. Like I, but I, like you know, that's not how you freeze dry a strawberry, right? right. I don't think so. So <laughs> I think that they were using freeze dry just in a very uh, like just as a I don't know like their little colloquial term I guess. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Again, I just need to know what freeze drying means. Somebody <laughs> at me. Yeah, I don't really know how that works either. That's a good question. <laughs> it's a clever, one of those clever things that did not need to be in this episode, but, you know, over the overcomplicate things for no reason. But if you're going to have <laughs> Spider-Man and Iceman together, why not have him quote unquote freeze dry his costume? I don't know. True, true, true. <laughs> Plus, you know, a lot of the interactions between these two end up being really, really funny just because a lot of the time they don't have much else to do. So, <laughs> so they have a, like a really funny interaction as a result of this diversion. Yeah. Peter's basically saying like, we got to go. Like Angelica needs us. And Bobby is at first like, I guess so. Like there better be a, he says exactly. There better be a practically indestructible supervillain out there. <laughs> and Peter says, how about bees about eight feet tall with blue eyes? And this line read is so good. <laughs> 
Bobby just says that qualifies like but like super casually like not excited just like very as a matter of fact yeah i like the i mean at this point just in this show alone they fought like so many giant like monsters and dinosaurs Mm -hmm. and reality bending things so it's like nothing nothing really matters anymore (laughs) i love that it was super super good it is good and they suit up uh head off by uh there's for the first time in this show, they have like this kind of trap door exit where Iceman has to create like a fireman's pole for them to slide mm-hmm. down to exit. Okay, sure. Sure. That's the thing that's there. Um, <laughs> back, back at the farm, uh, we see a number of people uh, approach Swarm's lair because uh, they're like very interested in it, not freaked out by it at all. Um, they want to study it. It's like it's like Professor Wells, I think, is there and some of the students. Yeah. Uh, but of course, Swarm's like, oh, okay, uh, more worker bees. So he turns them all into bug people who love to say swarm, swarm, swarm. So Angelica uh, sees that he's mutated all of her friends and confronts him. <laughs> God, he tries to trap. <laughs> he tries to trap Swarm in a fire cage. Of course, he's a bunch of bees, so he escapes the cage. Then she's like, maybe a solid firewall will stop him, but it's just one small like wall of fire in the sky that he could theoretically just go around. Okay, <laughs> Angelica, <laughs> I'm gonna help you out here. <laughs> you have these two ideas. Combine them. Right. Don't make a cage. Make a solid fire orb. <laughs> yeah, or cube if you want it. You know, it, I, as long if you as you need edges or walls on it of fire, you uh-huh. can clearly do this. You are one of the most powerful mutants, like ever. Yeah. It seems like so. Any shape you want, just no openings. <laughs> right. What's even better is that like. It's not that Swarm goes around her one little wall. He still just shoots through it anyway. <laughs> true. That's true. His eye beams just go right through it. <laughs> right. And he decides to create these enormous uh, drone bees by, like, he takes real bees and grows them to, to real <sighs> giant sizes. This this is when it gets legit scary because uh, you got these giant bees that he grows to, uh, instructs them to bring back workers for the hive. So now we have all these shots of these giant bees <laughs> flying through the cities all the voice acting on these people's on the people's screams are very good because it's, <laughs> it is it is legit terrifying. Yeah. People are screaming as they're coming towards them, screaming as they're being carried off. They're carrying cars away. It's it's entire legit entire cars, <laughs> entire cars. It's frightening. Um, what's less frightening and and hilarious uh, is when we see how they interact with Aunt May. But um, <laughs> uh, we'll get to that in a second. Um, they're they're traveling through it. Iceman notes uh, that the uh, the bees don't like cold, so he does attempt to fend them off while Spider Man is trying to rescue the people that the bees have taken. Which is then when we get to, to Aunt May, who's washing <laughs> dishes, seeing some of these bees that are getting fought off by Iceman and Spider Man. So just falling from the sky. She sees. She just giant sees like enormous bee carcasses just like falling from the sky and her reaction as she's watching dishes and seeing this is is i should get the sprays from the garage and oh is that what she says that's what she says she, oh i thought she was getting a screen 
Like she had like just a like a wide open window and was like, oh, it's bug season. Got to get the screen. No, this makes even less sense. So first of all, her bug sprays are all kept in the garage. Um, of course. And she just she just casually just walks out. She's just walking out, doesn't care that these are giant bees, walks out of her house and immediately just gets <laughs> picked up by a bee. <laughs> it is so funny. Like, swoop. <laughs> describing it does no justice. It is so hilarious how re- stupid that this is ridiculous that this is. <laughs> we'll have to see if we can make a, like a gif out of it or something. Oh, yeah. Just to really convey the beauty of the moment. <laughs> Definitely will. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Iceman and Spider-Man do end up arriving at Swarm's Lair after battling all of those horrifyingly large bees, uh, meeting up with Angelica. Swarm, naturally, demands that they join his swarm. So Spider-Man preaches, no way, we, we're we individuals with individual thought, and goes on sort of a little soapbox with, like, inspiring music behind him, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I thought was really funny. It's, it's funny. But, but Swarm is like... No, individual thought breeds chaos, and the hive works together for the greater good. And I, I, I kind of like the idea that, that Peter and Swarm are getting in, like, this political debate that basically <laughs> equates to, like, democracy and, and communism and, like... <laughs> like yeah! Just, it's really funny to me. I mean, obviously, they don't really, like, explore that very, very far, but that's kind of what they're doing. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that's, and, that's very intentional. In your version, well, yeah, no, I think I think it's intentional. They just don't explore it for too long. But in your version of this episode, where Swarm doesn't necessarily know better and is just doing something that's instinctual, I actually think they could have explored it way further. Oh yeah, because because what Swarm is doing is wrong because you know because he's kidnapping people and transforming them against their will and stuff like that, but. If what he believes is that he's simply making a colony of people that are working together for the greater good of that colony, mm-hmm. well, Peter, maybe it's not as straightforward as you thought, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, like, in theory, that's kind of, I mean, because we don't really get a motivation that if he wants to, like, necessarily take over the world, I guess. It's just like, this is just what he thinks he has to do is build a colony. Yeah. But, you know, he also proclaims things very evilly. So you can't really, right. there's not a we lot of moral the, like, ambiguity. <laughs> everyone will work for Swarm. Like, yeah, there's enough that we, we know it's not, uh, it's not innocent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, after that, after the, the, all that preaching, uh, the gang then sees that now, like, Flash, Professor Wells, and even Aunt May have all been turned into these, like, B-people mutants. So that's pissing them off. So they're attempting to <laughs> uh, to rush the group to rescue their friends. But the B-people also have the ability to transform people into other B-people. So it's a whole uh, invasion of the body switchers type thing. So they I-beam to all of the spider friends, actually, um, which transforms both Iceman and Firestar also into B-people, um, which I wasn't really expecting to happen in this one, actually. No. Nope, but I'm so glad it did. It is, because that makes this episode like 10,000 times way, way more interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Spider-Man, of course, uh, well, not of course, I would have never guessed this, but <laughs> he is immune. He suspects that maybe his spider blood makes him immune to the beifying for whatever reason, but... Is there like some sort of like natural grudge match between bees and spiders that I don't know about? I, don't, I doubt it. I guess it's more just like he already has... <laughs> like arachnid blood in him and insect mm. blood wouldn't jibe with it i guess i don't know I and guess... <laughs> you know we we find out later that it's all sort of radioactive insect stuff so maybe you can only have so much radioactive insect stuff 
in your blood. Sure. I mean, scientists should actually test this in real life and see how that would work. Yeah. So uh, that stops them from doing it. The um, uh, <laughs> I love this. So I- Iceman and Firestar attack Spider-Man um, while he's a kind of attempting <laughs> to learn the source of everything. <laughs> this the way that they do this might be the greatest thing they've done on this series so far. Yeah. I don't know if that's hyperbolic. I think it's the greatest. <laughs> it's good. It's a great cut to commercial. First of all, like it's fantastic. Um, the way that they kind of set up this whole like dramatic moment. And then the, the whole action sequence after this is great too. Cause Spider-Man webs onto a, a nearby giant bee drone to avoid the attacks. And he uses, this is comedy gold. This is, this is so good. So he uses this moment of peace to kind of figure out <laughs> where the power source comes from. He's like, oh, it comes from the radioactive, radioactivity of the meteor. But so. he's like only able to think because he's he's webbed onto this bee and is literally just flying around <laughs> higher than Iceman can get to him. Like, yeah. And you just see him like, fl- <laughs> like the bee's just flying around in circles and he's literally just like hanging from a web strand like in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, like, meanwhile, just like, hmm, I wonder what I could do about this. Right, right. It's so perfectly ridiculous in a way that, like, only this show is. And then it keeps going. And then it keeps it going. It gets better. It gets better. My favorite moment is what, what all the stuff that comes after this. So Firestar breaks the web. He falls through He falls through the roof of a car, which, like of we course. said, they, they had brought a bunch of cars. The bees have brought a bunch of cars with them, too. He falls through the roof of a car and is like, okay. So he puts his seatbelt arm on and drives <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> while he's driving in another moment of peace while he's driving in the car alone this is how he can theorize that maybe if he can separate his friends from the influence of this meteor's radiation maybe they'll turn back um, of course <laughs> but then then it gets even better because Iceman makes a path with of ice with the car makes it into like a, a little loop-de-loop for like a roller coaster loop which has Spider-Man like <laughs> going on the whole like <laughs> upside down loop He's screaming as this happened. It's, it happens. It's so great. Good thing he has a seatbelt on, by the way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, and while this is going on, he's still theorizing, and he's like, oh, yeah. there's a lead-lined room at, at ESU, <laughs> so uh, let's get our friends inside of that. <laughs> it's so good, because there's just, like, like, it's not even just chaos happening around him. It's like his friends are actively attacking him and trying to capture him, and he's just, like, <laughs> he's just, like, sciencing. Right, right. And just, like... Like almost accidentally avoiding them. Yeah, yeah. It's like he's barely even. So good. He's barely even trying. And then, (laughs) and then, once he gets to the physics building of of the university, he just drives through the doors and just drives into it. Like, yeah, no time to park. I believe is what he says. Yeah. (laughs) He drives into it, and then it like skids through a window. The car dramatically falls into the football field, which is next to the physics. observatory where rockets fire off for some reason whatever uh-huh. um crashes into the football field it's in a fire explosion and we get again a moment of assuming <laughs> that spider-man has died in this explosion they even play like the sad version of the mm-hmm. uh, of his like 1981 theme song is playing <laughs> while while the bee Iceman, and firestar are looking on and it's all sad but no it's okay because he made a uh he i guess he made like his web parachute <laughs> <laughs> to jump out of the car as it was careening into the football field to save himself. Oh my gosh, I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm crying reliving this. Uh, it's crazy. Oh, it's so good. This show this is, is like... ridiculous. <laughs> but this is like, this is like uh, such perfectly well done 
ridiculous. It's not, it's like, it's coherent, but it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's not like, it's just... you know, the the, green, the first episode, the Green Omnibus episode, it was kind of annoying sometimes because it was like, what is happening right now? But this is like, <laughs> it's so silly and like, Ooh. and like, it doesn't require elaborate animation necessarily. So nope. like, it's just like clown chaos happening yeah. right now. <laughs> yes. And it's almost better that it doesn't have like perfect, beautiful animation. Because yeah. the, the bee thing, the him hanging from the bee is is definitely made more funny by the fact that it's just like the model floating around on the screen yeah yeah and dan's voice acting throughout all of it is so funny because he varies between just like very casual like i wonder if radiation would stop it to like whoa like on a dime it's so good yeah it's it's spectacular it's uh it's it's a wonder to be seen All right, well, Spider-Man does reveal that he's alive because of this web parachute that he's made, and he succeeds in leading his friends to the lead-lined room, where, as he expected, they lose their B-people eyes and their B-people antenna, and uh, Bobby once again delivers an amazing line of, uh, so, uh, what's happening, man? (laughs) (laughs) I like this as a running gag, and I hope it keeps happening. Because last time we talked, was it uh, was it last time we talked or the last episode? It was the last episode. After Spider-Man has the sonic trance taken off of him, mm-hmm. he's like, so did uh, anything interesting happen while I was gone? Oh, right. <laughs> and then this, yeah, and then this time Bobby's like, uh, what's going on? Like, they're just like <laughs> casual, like, I don't even know how to describe it other than they're just like, huh, hey, what's up? <laughs> it's good it's good nothing's going on <laughs> i like I, you know i like the idea of where it's just like there's so much ridiculous stuff that happens on this show that it's just like all of this is so casual to them it's never yeah. oh it's never a big deal <laughs> yeah nothing is a big deal <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the spider friends uh return to the farm and they execute this plan uh, they execute a plan to return the meteor to space because they know that once that is is out of the vicinity of people all the radiation will just go away everything goes back to normal yeah, maybe we should clarify that because I was confused the first time I watched this. Oh, Basically, yeah. how they have chosen to explain this is that the the radiation from the meteor is allowing Swarm to exert influence over the people that he transforms. So it's not necessarily that they are, in, quote, infected with radiation. Mm-hmm. It's that exposure to the radiation almost acts as a catalyst for what swarm is doing yeah so that's why getting them into the lead room fixed it because at first i was like if they're radioactive being inside a lead room is going to do nothing you know but once they once they sort of explain that if we get if we get the thing into space we'll be good that's when the pieces started falling into place for me yeah it's almost like they shouldn't have said radiation i feel like they should have just called yeah. it like a signal or something like it would have made more sense yeah. if it was just like a general some kind of alien like energy that was emanating that was affecting them because it's you know, like an antenna that's amplifying when you said signal that that i think makes a lot of sense it's it's mm-hmm. like a yeah it's like a satellite or a or a or an antenna right yeah which i think make would make more sense if they had gone with that in that direction but i guess yep. radioactive is a is a buzz is a nice buzzword in, in big terms buzz, buzz. So. buzzword buzz buzz <laughs> swarm swarm <laughs> so their plan uh is basically to have like they found fake bee people eyes somehow i don't know i guess they had a theater apartment that made it maybe they're made of ice oh actually yeah because because they make fake ice man makes fake wings out of his yeah face. so that makes sense that would be very cold to have on your face that's but, true yeah uh, brain freeze for sure yeah <laughs> either way they have fake eyes they base and, and fake antennas too i guess um to to kind of fool uh swarm 
into thinking that they're all still infected and they've all captured Spidey. Um, so they get in that way. Um, in, inside, Spidey makes his way to the core of this uh, hive layer uh, where he finds the meteor being kept and he grabs it with his webs. And then it's kind of a kind of a game of like of, of fastball and football. Uh, the gang is attached by these large bees or attached, attacked by <laughs> these uh, large bees. And yeah, they make a lot of football jokes, including <laughs> Iceman gets the uh, ball thrown to him. And he says, eat your heart out, OJ. Oh, yep. E- Yep, it was 1981. After all, doesn't yep. have the same implications. <laughs> People yep. may not know, remember now that OJ used to be a famous uh, football player. That was all he was famous for. Um, That's what he was famous for. A very charismatic, <laughs> a very charismatic football player that was very friendly and a type of person that everyone liked. There are probably people now who know who OJ is, but didn't know he was a football player. Yeah, yeah, probably they didn't know he's football player. I mean, like. This this is one of the stories that like I'm sure you know, but it's like he was almost he was in the running to be the Terminator and was turned down for being the Terminator because they felt like he was too nice and couldn't see him being oh. a murderer. So oh. that's that's <laughs> I didn't the, know that. <laughs> that's the persona that he had up until like nineteen ninety four. Yeah. Yeah. So yikes. Um <laughs> anyway, uh after that happens, yeah, more football jokes that I don't really understand. <laughs> they're not good. I didn't even write them down because they're not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty bad. Um but either way, uh, as it's happening, Firestar blasts a hole in the roof of the lair, which allows Spider-Man and Ice and, uh, and Iceman to make this little uh, Iceman elevator out of the lair. They make even more elevator jokes that also aren't very good. <laughs> uh, that allows them to escape, and they uh, bring the radioactive material out of the lair and to the observatory, where there's a rocket. Uh, while, and Swarm makes a lot of really good screaming noises while this is happening. <laughs> I actually really like his yells while while all everything is going bad for him. I just wanted Some to call good that yelling. Out. Very good yelling. Yeah, so Swarm and his gang of uh, drone bees follow the heroes to the observatory. Um, he does attempt to stop them before they can return that radioactive material to space. Firestar is making her way through the uh, observatory roof and closes it just before the bees can get in. Spider-Man and Iceman have to, uh, <laughs> they have to enter through like more conventional means, but um, Bobby's an idiot. <laughs> Spider-Man is yelling to him like no what are you doing as he as as Iceman is just like icing up the front to like make it explode or shatter or whatever after he breaks a hole in this university is building Spidey's <laughs> like dude the door was unlocked like what do you could have just walked in like a normal yep. human being you moron best part of that joke is that we don't know why Peter's yelling until the punchline <laughs> yeah yeah until it was unlocked like, very concerned when he yells no mm-hmm. I love it yeah gonna cost the it. university it really a lot of money <laughs> mm-hmm. thanks Bobby <laughs> Well, when they do get inside, Firestar reveals to them that she's she's already put the radioactive material in a rocket, so it's almost ready to go. But the bees are all sort of attacking their way into the observatory. So as they're doing that, Firestar declares, oh, you know what? Smoke will keep the bees away long enough for us to set up the rocket and get it into space. So her solution is to set nature on fire. <laughs> Yep. Lots of nature. Yep. She She's like, oh, bees. She pronounces smudge paths as smudge paths. I don't get why, but uh, like I had to double check the um, the captions to make sure I heard her right. She was like, bees don't like smudge paths, which I guess they don't. What is the actual word? Smudge path. Oh, I thought it was. 
I didn't. I don't know why I wasn't watching with captions. I normally do. Mm-hmm. I thought she said smudge pots, like pots, and I was like, oh, oh I didn't realize that's what those are called. Maybe. Like the uh, the things that you like blow smoke into beehives with. You know what? But maybe that is, and maybe the caption was wrong because the caption has been wrong before. I want to Google it right mm, now and see. Let's see. No. smudge pot. Smudge pot. That's why it's, it is smudge pot. Is that what it is? Yep. That's why. Oh, okay. That's why I was like, "Why is she saying that with a British accent?" I don't. <laughs> smudge pot. A smudge pot. Okay. Well, obviously, I didn't know what a smudge pot was. Either, Interesting. So. <laughs> oh, but it doesn't actually have anything to do with bees, I don't think. But I, but it does have stuff to do with fire. But so. I ha- I do know that that they've that she'll like smoke bees out of oh, the yeah. hive though. So I guess. Yeah, it's like to was, sedate them. I think. Yeah, right? she was just combining like two concepts. I guess. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, well, she calls out that the leaves are wet, so I guess that makes it okay that she's setting nature on fire. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's why we're supposed to be okay with it. <laughs> uh, the leaves are wet. Okay, it's on fire. <laughs> anyway, it does end up working. So the bees do retreat, and uh, Iceman and Spider-Man are able to open the roof and launch the rocket in time. So as it makes its way through space, after making its way through Swarm's torso, um, Swarm's body begins to lose its structure and ultimately dissipates entirely. Um, the lair that Swarm built and everyone's bee people body parts do disappear <laughs> alongside Swarm's disappearing body. Ugh, they like, so everyone is saved. Yeah, they like shrink down and fall off of them. It's so gross looking. Yeah, they that's shrivel. weird. I don't like that. They just like either. shrivel up and... Uh, uh, yuck. <laughs> <laughs> this would be a terrifying live action uh, episode. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> gross yeah well we've got a happy ending the episode ends at the parker residence where aunt may who is unbeified has uh is serving (laughs) she's serving pancakes that they're kind of weird looking pancakes why Um, do they call them pancakes yeah wheat cakes they're wheat cakes we know that they're wheat cakes that's a huge swing and a miss seriously maybe she calls them pancakes because angelica and bobby like think that they don't like wheat cakes but okay mm, yeah well no it's <laughs> well she's also serving them with honey because she just doesn't she doesn't know why but she just likes uh <laughs> she just likes honey right now well she's funny craving joke. some honey that it causes miss lion to just run away in terror <laughs> yeah she's like I traumatized forgot miss lion by the was experience. even in this one <laughs> <laughs> yeah but of course uh not before peter can ask angelica if she, did did you in fact go on a date with flash thompson cuz that's so important to know peter parker if if the girl who's not your girlfriend went out with flash thompson why is this even in the episode it's so pointless i mean i appreciate that angelica doesn't like give him any leeway she's just like what do you True. think <laughs> yeah what do you think peter and, yeah let him wonder and he's like none of his business i don't know if i don't want to know like who cares? Who cares? Yeah. You're not Get in a committed relationship. She was just holding hands with Bobby in the last episode, so. True. True. I will say that would be the type of thing I would appreciate in a show like the 90s show where they're they're inserting character development for supporting characters along the way. Mm-hmm. But in this one, I feel confident that's not going to come up again, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Probably not. But that was a fun episode. Like, it was just, like, a really straightforward, weird, fun episode, especially after the one before it, which was more complicated and, and like you said, hashtag problematic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this no, one I was like just like, one. here's a weird alien bee creature. Let's stop it. Yeah. I mean, it's fun because, you know, you have this team of super beings who are all pretty powerful. So I like that they come up with pretty creative, uh, creative things to pit them against. Yeah. 
and a, a bee alien is <laughs> about as uh, complex <laughs> you can get. So, yeah. So, no, I liked it. Yeah, it was fun. It's not really – there's not really a lot to it. I like the version of it that's in my head that I wish had been, but I, I, I yeah. you can't expect that for this particular show because it's just not the type of show that it is. So Right. I think this episode is, like, is higher up on the fun axis than it is the, like, good episode axis, but yeah. I'm, I'm fine with fun – uh, purely. Yeah. And, um, it does, it does do a couple things, uh, really well in the sense that, like you said, with this, this huge, almost overpowered team, they figure out a way to take out Iceman and Firestar who should really stand a good chance against bees. Right. And then they make it, okay, well, Peter's going to be the one who has to figure out some sort of solution and he's actually the most vulnerable. So I do like that. Right. Right. Totally agree. Totally agree. I dig it. So it's pretty good. Pretty yeah. Good. Pretty good. Faces of this episode. Um, these are both <laughs> two that you picked out that are very good. I dig it. This first one, it's another eye thing. There's so many eye eye shots in this show. Yes. It's so good though. Oh, it's so good. Um I love it so much. Yeah. I want to do something with it. Like I want a t shirt with it, maybe, or I don't know. Yeah, it it reminds Tattoo me. Tattoo it on my face. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not, but um, yeah, nix that one. Yeah, it reminds me of something I can't really put my finger on. It reminds me of like something like psychedelic that I feel like I've seen before. But uh, it's it's Iceman and Firestar after they've been infected with the uh, with the bee thing. They've been turned into bee people. It's right after that, in fact, and they're staring yeah. at Spider Man. So we see Spider Spider Man just his head reflected in in all of their eyes, like all four of their eyes collectively. <laughs> And they're just like staring at him in just like I don't know how would you describe how would you they're describe like slack jawed, and they're just sort of like gazing at him like um like almost in a zombie like manner yeah because they've just been instructed to attack him and so they're they're like fixated on one thing but they're sort of mindless about it yeah yeah it's good yeah it's good <laughs> I can definitely see like a meme made of this one <laughs> where yeah it's just like <laughs> like replace <laughs> Spider Man's head with like pizza. <laughs> Okay, I will. <laughs> um, yes. Oh, God. The second one's so good. <laughs> the second I, one, it's an animation mistake, but it's a it's a horrifying one. Uh, it's also, you know, Firestar and Iceman as bee people. And they, I don't even really remember what they were doing, but it's, it's them in the lead room and they like put their hands up. And when they put their hands up, there's an animation mistake where the area of Firestar's body where her arm was initially doesn't fill back in. So there's just like this arm shaped <laughs> gap in her hair. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just like cookie cuttered out. Right. I wonder if like they're supposed to put the wing parts in there, but neither of them have their wings that they're supposed to have. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's very strange. <laughs> it's just weird. It was one of those things that like I, once I saw it, I was just like, oh, what is that? And fixated on it. It's like yeah. something's wrong. <laughs> it's one of those like, cause I mean, you see animation errors all the time, but it's oh, a very, yeah. like very big and like strange animation error. Yeah. To make. It's like, not like a coloring error, which I can easily see happening. You know, like that just happens a lot. Right. <laughs> this is, I, I don't know how to describe this cause I am not an animator, so I'm not yeah. sure exactly what happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah cool okay so that was kind of our we're gonna take a break from amazing friends for a little bit yeah this one well, well that we'll, was our break 
yeah, this was ba- well we thought of it like that but these end up being like super yeah, dense <laughs> it's true we thought it was going to be a break <laughs> <laughs> i feel like we just can't expect any of these shows to be like easy to do because they're all so so yeah. different and have so much crazy things in them but i'm digging it i really like amazing friends and yeah. i was ex- i was glad that we went ahead and kind of dived into this show kind of so early into the life of our mm-hmm. podcast too and didn't just stick with the quote-unquote like big mature good ones like this was <laughs> This was one that I knew was popular and like well yeah. known, but I did not. Ex- I, I've never. We talked about this a bit in the last one, but I didn't expect to mind as much as we have. But yeah, these mm-hmm. episodes are really fun. Even the problematic aspects are still interesting to talk about within yeah. the context of when they were made. Right, and I think you know I'm actually glad that we're not dedicating a full season or series run to this because it's it's the type of stuff that I th- I think is is fun to take bites of you know we take very very large bites of it because that's how that's how we do but uh it'll it'll be fun to revisit it to always have a little bit more of it in our back pocket for when we're ready to do something different and weird and wacky yeah yeah i'm excited for 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 when we get to revisit this (laughs) me too cool Uh, and now I want to go find more sun or sunfire stuff. Well, I do want to find more sunfire stuff actually, but I was I was meaning to say Firestar. Yeah. Funny that it wasn't until the very end of the episode where I made that mistake. Uh, oh, you made it you made it earlier too, actually. Did I do it? <laughs> yeah, Firestar but it was in the sunfire. middle of like a paragraph, so I was just like I I couldn't like break in and say it. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did it with uh I did it with Super Friends earlier than I thought in our last episode too. Really? I didn't when, see I didn't yeah. pick up on that. There was one point where I think I don't I don't remember if it was you or me, but one of us in the last episode called her Starfire instead of Firestar too. I, okay, <laughs> probably me because I I've been terrified of that this whole time. Because their names are so similar that I'm like I'm going to call her Starfire at some point. It's hard. It's hard. It's not easy. And yeah. I mean, you know, people know what we're talking about. Like Yeah. We know. get excited, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Would you rather we were boring and accurate or excited and make mistakes? Right. <laughs> Firestar has red hair and heat powers. And yes. Podcasts. Like, yeah. <laughs> cool. Any other final thoughts on Amazing Friends for now? No, I'm just, I'm so glad we watched it. Me too. Me too. I'm having such a blast with it. <laughs> I'm happy. It's such a change experience from the few episodes that I'd watched years and years ago. Yeah. Watching it like this, I never realized how fun it was, but it is so fun. Yeah. Cool. Well, we got more fun stuff coming still. Um, but in the meantime, in between our episodes, if you want to keep up with us, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter most of the time at Ikibuli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y, and on the Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast podcast here on the 4-Eyed Radio Network, where we will this time actually have some new Pokemon news. Woo-hoo. Because by the time this episode drops... We will be a couple weeks into digesting a Pokemon Direct. So I'm very excited for that. Cool. Oh, that's exciting. Yes, finally. You've awesome. been hearing me wait for it over and over. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we'll have it's news. It's happening. Hopefully we'll have news. Cool. We have yes. news. Uh, <laughs> cool. Well, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. Um, you can find my YouTube show. This is one of those things where I've talked about many, many times where uh, maybe you'll have something soon. Um, <laughs> so there should be another episode. I'm planning for it to be out by the end of this month. It's going to be my June episode um, on Scrappy-Doo should be coming out. But basically, it's a show called Second Chance on YouTube, video essay series, looking at divisive um, and or like hated or, or, or media that was considered bad, looking at it through either a positive lens or at least just trying to kind of find the 
intentionality behind it or why it was still influential regardless of it. So uh, look for that episode coming out in the next couple of weeks. And you can find us, uh, our podcast. Uh, we would love for you to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're at Walloping Web Pod. You can also email us any questions, inquiries, fan art, anything uh, at Walloping Web Snappers Podcast at gmail.com. Um, we would also love it if you could rate us and review us on iTunes. We got a really nice review that got oh posted my today. Gosh. Oh my God. It was so great. So, um, love it, love it, love it. So please, if you don't, you don't have to write a review if you don't want to, and just, just rating us, uh, helps us uh, a lot with being found on iTunes when people search for Spider-Man podcasts. So, um, you can also support us on Patreon. We've got some really exciting stuff going actually. Um, would it be safe to say that the June commentary episode will be out by the time this one is up or sometime? Yeah, I think so. Cool. Yeah. You yeah. should have a, a Patreon-exclusive episode up. Cool, cool, yeah. So if you join us, depending on the level you join us, you can either um, you can get early access to episodes, you can um, join in our Walloping Word Snappers game that we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, you can get Patreon-exclusive episodes at some of our higher-tier levels, which, like we said, will be out uh, around this month, and we'll have monthly episodes for that. Um, if you help us reach some of our goals, uh, we will have even more episodes, uh, bonus episodes, in addition to our regular ones as well. And uh, if you get us at our highest tier level, you can also join us as a guest on our podcast. We haven't had any guests yet. Um, Maybe we'll sometime in the future. But for right now, um, if you want to become a guest, you can join us at our highest tier level and uh, talk about all your favorite Spider-Man cartoons with us. Heck yeah. Yeah. In addition to other amazing perks, that's not all. So um, find us on patreon.com slash walloping web snappers for that and support us so we can continue to buy more and more really cool Spider-Man and Spider-Man related uh, media to talk about and give you guys great content and fun things to chew over. But otherwise, I'm so excited about this. You can join us next time. Um, watch Sp- Into the Spider-Verse on Netflix so you can join us as we venture into the Spider-Verse. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. See you then. Shiro is also a mutant. He's a mutant. The mutant known as Stock. Uh, yeah, wow. Um, we do see Flash Thompson. Yeah. I mean, Parter's like par- uh, Parker. Parter. And like you said, Angelica. Yeah.